This coverage is live and uncensored, so if you have any small children present, you may want to have them leave the room. What's up, folks? My Take Radio, episode 97 for Thursday, June 23rd, 2011. The intro music you just heard was Street Fighter 2's Fred Fury, and the artist was Vertex Guy. You can download that and any of the other previously used intro music at ocremix.org. The letter O, the letter C, remix.org. The call-in number is 347-324-3541. Again, that call-in number is 347-324-3541. All right, let's get into some housekeeping right off the bat. A lot of crazy stuff happened this week. Um, great things for MTR. Right now, I'm actually testing some new stuff on air this week. I am not using Skype Hopefully, that's one of the things that will help eliminate some problems. I am actually using Google Voice this week. So, that may be a reason why my voice sounds a little different. I don't know how different it is, but uh, hopefully, the Google Voice will work a little better. The other thing I wanted to talk about was the fan page, which is actually going to start getting some video added to it. I recently got an on-live micro console from the gadget event this past week and i am going to be giving it away on the fan page and it's going to be a contest only for the fans we'll see what the deal is with that probably within the next two or three days when i receive the console we're going to make up a different kind of a contest that's going to allow the fans to interact more and give them an opportunity to win it so once i got all the details ironed out you'll be able to hear that next week and like i said i'll be doing it via video for the fan page i've been practicing doing some video these last few weeks still got to get used to staring at a camera because i'm so used to just staring at a monitor to do the show so a little bit of growing pains there in addition to that excuse me there are some new posts and new things being put on the site this week we actually covered well we actually did two things this week with our partners at unveil we did a meet and greet last Friday after the show, uh, last after last week's show on Friday. We did a meet and greet, which was pretty cool. We hung out at Dave and Buster's. We got to throw on some throw around some ideas. So you're going to be seeing some really cool shit in the coming weeks. This past week, well, I would say Tuesday was the gadget event which we attended. We got to see a lot of really great hardware from a lot of really great companies, which is going to open the doors for MTR to be testing a lot of this stuff. Like I said, we got the on-live micro console. We're going to be doing more mobile stuff, testing cell phones, doing unboxings. We're going to be doing a whole bunch of stuff. So right now we're working with Boxy, hopefully to get some stuff from Boxy, which is a media streaming device, which I've actually had the opportunity to use before 
which is going to be really badass. So hopefully we'll be able to get that sooner rather than later so I can do some video and also a review for the site. Hopefully this weekend I'll be able to check out Green Lantern and do a review for that to coincide with the review that Slick did for Green Lantern as well. So you'll be able to get two different perspectives on the film and make your own assessment. So that's also coming probably by Sunday night, maybe Monday morning. We'll see what the deal is. Slick just reminded me he did two Green Lantern reviews. My review is going to coincide with his Green Lantern movie review, not his Green, Green Lantern animated series review. Thanks for the reminder, Slick. A little off my game, so I apologize. Like I said, just monitoring this Google Talk shit to make sure nothing goes wrong, so I'm a little distracted. Also, our content partners, of course, MMA Valor, This Week in Wrestling Podcast, will always be providing content. MMA Valor, of course, is doing their podcast, which you can check out for more information. Head over to MMAValor.com. Our app is doing really, really well. I'm very happy to report that we've had increases in app purchases and are getting great feedback for our MTR behind the mic and MTR beyond the mic segments. So there's going to be some really unique stuff happening with MTR beyond the mic. We're really going to use the, the name beyond the mic to cover so many different topics. We're going to talk to uh, people from the tech community. We're going to talk to different successful entrepreneurs just because there's so many things that we can learn, not only as listeners, but also just as a brand. And the only way you're going to get better is by talking to people that are more successful than you. So that's one of those things that's going to be happening. The MTR behind the mic with Michael Manna, which aka Stevie Richards, has been one of the most listened to episodes on the app coming in. Also right up there is the episode with philosophy from the community voice podcast. So I'm very happy that you guys are enjoying this stuff, but um, it's only the tip of the iceberg. We're going to be doing so much more with that. We're going to try and do more minority film reports. I know slick has been holding it down for us. I'm going to try and get back in there and do some just because there, there are a couple of movies I can share with you guys. I'm debating doing them via video and adding them onto the uh, onto the app, and it'll be a vidcast. Again, got to get past my apprehension with video, and we'll see what the deal is with that. Our merchandising efforts are slowly coming to fruition. We got some really good designs in this week. There's a couple of other designs I want to go over with a few people, so we're going to get a relaunch of the MTR store, hopefully by our 100th episode, which, if you guys can believe, is only three episodes away. I'm under the impression that maybe episode 99 will be broadcast on Wednesday as opposed to Thursday because it's the Mrs. Birthday. We'll see what the deal is. There may not be an episode that week, but if there is, it will be that Wednesday. I have two guests tonight. It's going to be a one-two punch. I got Bloodstain Lane calling in. We're going to talk about Strike Force and also uh, two things that he's working on, one which recently launched, which I want to share with you guys because there's so much great content in with this new project he's working on that I know a lot of the listeners, especially those that are fans of combat sports, are going to get a real kick out of. The other thing I'm the other guest will be Prodigy X, who was on the WCG Ultimate Gamer Show. He also represents games at various events, including E3. And he also works with Unveil as well. He's going to stop by and we're going to talk a little bit more about competitive gaming. 
just on a, on a larger scale and also about some of the projects he's working on. So looking forward to that, not only to share more insight into the competitive gaming industry, but also what happens on that larger scale when you're working with companies and looking at sponsorships, just digging in a little deeper to give our gaming audience members a little bit more insight into that community. So that's what's going to be going down tonight. As far as what we'll be discussing, we got the Strike Force Heavyweight Grand Prix. We got WWE Capital Punishment. We got Monday Night Raw, which had a huge announcement from CM Punk. We got your video game news, which are a little light this week, and we got your movie news as always. We even got one or two uh, cringe-worthy bits of movie news that I'm sure you guys are going to enjoy. So that's going to be later on this evening. As for tonight's opening monologue, I actually wanted to talk about something that happened at the Gadget event. And it was just an eye-opener at how fucked up people are when you give out free shit. I also want to talk a little bit about the um, the situation with Roger Ebert and, um, you know, the guy from Jackass that passed away because that that's just an example of of the the social media being way too open. And you know what? I'll actually start with that. Um, As many of you know, you know, Ryan Dunn passed away car accident with um, a friend of his. He was in his Porsche, lost control. Uh, It's been said that he was drinking two times the legal limit of alcohol. Guy lost control, hit a tree, lights out. Now, while I, I find the tragedy to be the heart, the tragedy is heartbreaking and truly unfortunate. It's it's really crazy how media just go and they just you know the guy the guy's body's not even cold and all of a sudden it's like oh yeah you know he put out this picture on Twitter and he got fucked up and it was just I just felt that the media just blew it way out of proportion. It's like look let the guy let the guy die quietly, let his family grieve. And and the Robert the Roger Ebert situation, um, I think his commentary was poorly timed, only because you know there's just some shit you shouldn't say, and especially so so close to his death. So I was a little bugged by that. I think that the whole situation is unfortunate, and being dragged through the press is not allowing his family to grieve, and I just think it's fucked up. So that's my take on that. The other thing I wanted to talk about was this past Tuesday's gadget event. Like I said, I had the opportunity to go and meet with so many different people from the tech industry, representatives from HTC, um, on live, like I said, TiVo, T-Mobile, Motorola, just so many great people there. I even got to meet with the company that does Roomba robotic vacuums, which was very amusing. Olympus as well, um, a company that's working on on an application called SugarSync, which if you use Dropbox, I recommend you check out. And a company that's working on a USB drive called iTwin as well. But the crazy thing about the event I wanted to share with you guys was that when I arrived at the event, the event had one hour that was open to the public. It was supposed to be from 6 to 7, then the public was allowed in there from 7 to 10 p.m. Alcohol was given free. Snacks were given out. Now, here's the best part. When you use the word free, people take it to a whole other level of griminess. When you when I walked in, you know, they gave me a free T-shirt, a bag with some swag in it. I made my way around the booths, started taking some pictures. They were giving me free stuff, etc. One of the things that, that, that freaked me out 
was walking in and they were giving out iPhone 4 and iPad cases from a company called Incipio. They were so they were nice enough to give me an iPad case, which I may also give away on air, and also just give me a little insight into wanting to work with the show, which which was really great of those guys. But the disturbing part was that people were walking up, getting a case, making their way around the room, coming back and getting another case. It, it, it was really fucked up. In addition to that, there was a one or two ladies that had gotten already at least six cases. Why do you need six cell phone cases? Why? Are you going to sell them? How much do you really think you're going to get for a cell phone case? That's number one. Number two, just because the alcohol is free does not give you room to get fucked up. I had three instances with three different people that had consumed way too much alcohol. First were the brothers that were walking around asking the bar if they had Hennessy. So... That alone, you are at a press event, and you're asking the bartenders if they have Hennessy, which is, which in and of itself is fucked up because Hennessy is, it, it, it it's on a different level when it comes to liquor for for many reasons. If you're from the hood, you know that Hennessy gets people into some shit. But the funny thing was that the guy walks up. And he's like, yo, partner, you got some Hennessy? And the bartender looks at him and he's like, uh, we don't serve Hennessy here. And the guy's like, oh, man, this place is whack. The fact that he said whack and Hennessy in a sentence blew my fucking mind. Another guy came downstairs, and these are people that are, that are novice when it comes to drinking. I don't drink personally because I have a bit of a straight-edge lifestyle, but... This particular dude walked in and asked for tequila with Diet Coke. Once again, what the fuck is wrong with y'all? If you don't know how to drink, and you, and, but you still want to fit in, drink some seltzer and stand in a fucking corner. Because it, it, was, it was embarrassing. One lady got really drunk and asked me what I had in my goodie bag. I, I kid you not. She walked over. I was with, with, the, with the crew from Unveil. And she asked what I had in my goodie bag. I proceeded to look her up and down and go, none of your fucking business. Why, who are you? And she's like, oh, you know, I'm just here trying to see what, you know, what you got. And I was like, look, I'm, I'm a member of the press and this is stuff that's for press only. Oh, well, I'm a consumer. Her breath was booming with, with freaking Jim Beam or whatever the fuck they were serving. And I'm like, lady, I, I'm i not telling you what the hell's in my goodie bag. Go get your own bag and stuff it with your own goodies. And she got really annoyed. And she's like, I guess I'll go talk to someone else then. Oh, my God, you fucking two-bit piece of shit. Ugh. It was, it was, it was horrifying. At which point, the crew from Unveil looks at me, and they we just had to laugh. And last but not least... If you're a member of the press, or even if you're just an attendee, please don't hit on the people working the booths. Because you come off as a complete creep, and if they show no interest in you, you just look like a complete ass clown in front of everybody. And that was that was what closed out the evening. One of the funny things was that they had a, Barnes & Noble had a Nook display set up, and they were showing a couple of Nook units, which was pretty cool. And 
this one guy walks over and I'm getting ready to, you know, pitch the pitch the show and, and you know, see if we can work with Barnes and Noble and getting some stuff. So this guy walks over and this guy was really like young Ron Burgundy. Like if he would have started playing jazz flute, I would not have been surprised. He walks over. He's like, hey, lady, can I get your email address? And the girl's like, oh, well, I ran out of cards. I don't have any. But, you know, if you take the flyer, you can contact the uh, the press department. Oh, well, you know, I just wanted uh, your your email. And she's like, well, you know, you can contact me via press. You know, wh- wh- what do you need the, the press email for? Are you going to request an item? He's like, no, I actually wanted your email because I want to get with you. Oh, my God, you greasy-haired piece of shit. She's like, I don't give out my personal email address. Mind you, I'm literally snickering in this guy's face. Snickering. So he was like, oh, all right. And he just walked away, breath smelling like gin and tonic. And I go to her and I go, look, can we just give you a card, you know, because we would like to demo some units and whatnot. And she's like, oh, no problem. Thanks a lot. And I told her, rest assured, that was one of the most awkward things I've seen this evening. She started laughing and she gave me a fist bump and she said, get in touch with us. We'll we'll, we'll, we'll take care of you. I, I was dumbfounded by the amount of awkwardness. Mind you... This is the second tech event that I've gone to where someone has actively looked for Hennessy. I went to the Engadget event with Slick. Slick is my witness, and he is the chat. And we saw motherfuckers asking for Hennessy. Keep the hood shit in the hood. Don't go in there and drink Hennessy. Oh, my God. Other than that, it was a great event for MTR. We made a lot of great contacts. Like I said, we got an on-live micro console that we're going to be probably giving away next week once I figure out the contest that I'm going to do so you guys can get the on-live micro console. Think of it like this. Gamefly, you rent games. With on-live, you'll be able to either rent or buy games that directly stream to this console. Some of the, some of the newest titles are already in their store. A couple of favorites are in there. It's constantly being upgraded. And you'll also be able to play these games on your computer. So it's the equivalent of basically a console version of Steam. Not at the same level that Steam is, but it definitely has potential. So I'm going to check out the unit when we receive it, and I will be holding the contest to give it away. So overall, great week for MTR and our partners Unveil. And um, just we are probably going to be doing another event. Uh, similar to a meet and greet sooner rather than later. There's also a large event that Unveil is working on in November, which is going to be specifically video game related in the city for those New York residents. And we're going to probably do something for charity in October. We're debating what we're going to do and where the proceeds are going to go, what charity is going to get the proceeds. So I'm letting you guys know now that it will probably be a, a, a gaming event Depending on what game it is, it'll have some sort of a buy-in, which will go to charity and allow everybody to play on an even playing field. Right now, it's looking like it's going to be Street Fighter 4. I'm not too sure. Maybe it might be Call of Duty. We'll, we'll see what the deal is, but we definitely want to do something for charity only because it's the right fucking thing to do. But with that said, much like I reiterated last week, We're doing all this stuff for you guys. If you guys don't participate, we're not going to do the shit. It's as easy as that. Just because we're going out of our way to give 
you, the listeners, uh, an opportunity to interact with the show, whether it's at events that we start doing or things for charity or stuff on the fan page. Just, you know, be on the lookout for that. Lastly, the forums actually have gotten quite a spike in new members. And with that, if your account has been inactive for 90 days, your account will be purged on June 30th. Every 90 days, I go into the forum and purge inactive accounts. So if your account has been inactive for more than 90 days and you want to keep it active, get in touch with me via the fan page or via Twitter or on the forum, send me a PM and I will keep your account active. If not, your shit is getting deleted. No ifs, ands, or buts about it. If you can take five minutes to create an account, you can take five minutes and stop in the forum and say what's up. By the way, a lot of you guys have joined the forum. Take an opportunity, go into the go into the introduction thread and introduce yourselves so people know who the fuck you are. Because nothing is more annoying than people asking me, who's, you know, Blob7346? And I go, I don't know who the fuck that is. It, 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 it's, it's embarrassing. So take the opportunity, don't be a fucking hermit, and introduce yourselves if you're in the forums. All right, I'm going to get into the MMA news um, right before Bloodstained Lane calls in just because there's a couple of things that need to be discussed. So we'll start with that. All right, we're going to start with some UFC news first. The UFC has finally confirmed the pay-per-view bouts for UFC 134 taking place in Brazil on August 27th. The main event is going to be Anderson Silva defending the middleweight strap against Yushin Okami. Forrest Griffin is going to meet Shogun Hua. Edson Barboza and Ross Pearson will also be on that card, as will Antonio uh, Rogerio Nogueira and Brendan Schaub. Also, Luis Kane and Stanislav Nedkov will be on the main pay-per-view card. On the prelims, you got Spencer Fisher and Tiago Tavares, David Mitchell versus Paulo Tiago, Eric Silva versus Mike Swick, uh, Eve Jabuan and Ian Loveland, uh, Yuri Alcantara and Antonio... I'm going to fuck up this guy's name. Antonio Calvajo, I think, is correct. And uh, Rusamo Palharis is also going to be on that card. His match has not been finalized yet, so... I don't have his opponent for some reason, which I should have, but nonetheless, UFC 134 in Brazil, August 27th. Actually looking forward to seeing if Yushin Okami can take the belt from Anderson Silva. There's a a big percentage of me that thinks that that's not going to happen, and if it doesn't, it poses another question, which is, will Anderson Silva vacate the middleweight belt and go up to 205, or will he just keep hanging out in the middleweight division, waiting for opponents to make their way up there. That's the way I see it. I think, um, honestly, I'd like Anderson Silva, if he does retain, to vacate the belt and move up to 205 because there really is nothing left. And I think at 205, there's so many great fights, of course, the big one being him and uh, John Bones Jones. But I think in 205, Anderson Silva would do some serious damage. In some UFC release news, it was announced that the UFC released Ultimate Fighter contestants Kendall Grove and Chuck O'Neill from their contracts. Kendall Grove won the third season of the Ultimate Fighter, and O'Neill was a semifinalist in season 13. Kendall Grove lost to Tim Bocek at UFC 130, and O'Neill lost to Chris Cope on the UFC 
well, on the Ultimate Fighter 13 finale. So both guys lost by unanimous decision. Both guys got cut. I um, I feel bad just because I actually like Kendall Grove, and and it's unfortunate to see the guys that won the Ultimate Fighter get cut. But he's kind of been on a on a weird path lately. He win he wins a fight, he loses a fight, he wins a fight, he loses a fight. I I like Kendall Grove. I'm sad to see him go, but who knows? He may. Some people are saying he may end up in in the SmackDown version of the UFC. That being Strikeforce, I honestly think he'd be a great fit for for an organization like Bellator, where you know he can fight in the tournament format. So I wish Kendall Grove and O'Neill the best of luck. Speaking of Bellator, Bellator is this Saturday. Nice birthday present for me because I get to see uh, Marlon Sandro fight on the MTV2 card. Uh, Jenner De Silva and Marlon Sandro is going to be one of the fights in the featherweight tournament quarterfinal. Also, uh, featherweight tournament quarterfinal will be Ronnie Mann and Adam Schindler. Pat Curran is also fighting on that card against Luis Palomino. That's a featherweight tourney quarterfinal, as will Jacob DeVries and Nazareno uh, Malagari. So, if you haven't seen Bellator and you got MTV2, do yourself a favor and check it out. Um, for a couple of reasons. Bellator is a is a great up-and-coming promotion. They have a really great tournament format, and they have some really talented fighters. Again, MTV2 this Saturday. Check it out. You, you, you'll be glad you did. On the Strikeforce side of things, you've got Strikeforce Challengers tomorrow night on Showtime. Very excited because Jason High is going to be fighting on this card. I'm a fan of his. Jason High is going to be fighting Quinn Mulhern. Uh, you also got some women's MMA on there with Julia Budd and uh, Jermaine De Randami also on there. Carlos Fedora and James Terry. Ryan Couture will also be fighting against Matt Ricehouse. Lorenz Larkin and GM Vellante is also on that card as well. You can catch that on Showtime probably at 10 p.m., if you're in Washington, that's going to be at the Showware Center in Kent, Washington. In some local news, which I'm a little bummed out about, Bill S-1707A, which is the bill to sanction MMA in New York City, once again dies at the fucking table with the Ways and Means Committee. The New York State Senate passed the legislation for MMA. It also got passed through Tourism's Parks, Arts and Sports Development Committee. It also got passed from the Assembly Codes Committee. The legislative season actually ended er earlier this week, I believe last week, and just as just like last year, they killed it at the fucking table and it's not on the agenda. Every day I read the paper, every day I turn on the news, I hear about uh fire departments being, you know, firehouses being closed, medical benefits and hospitals disappearing. Two hospitals actually closed in my area within the last couple of years. Senior citizen centers are also closing. But, you know, yeah, you know, MMA is going to bring in a couple of million dollars a year, especially if the UFC holds two events. Not only that, but Strike Force, Bellator, Shark Fights, all these smaller organizations that could compete in the New York market, create jobs, bring in revenue. No, we don't want that. Of course not. Because, because it's 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 a barbaric sport according to them. Something tells me, and and it's fucked up to say, but I have a feeling that there are a couple of people putting some money in deep pockets to ensure that MMA is not allowed here in New York City, just because certain sports will lose a lot of money. Seriously, you go to Nassau Coliseum, they give they have arena football, hockey, 
and wrestling events at Nassau Coliseum. I think that if MMA holds events there, that's going to be a, a huge, a huge revenue boost in Long Island. In addition to that, huge revenue boost in Midtown. All the businesses there will benefit from mixed martial arts only because Madison Square Garden is there. You got Henzo Gracie's Academy in the city. You got Ray Longo School here on the island, Matt Sarah School on the island. You have the Watt. I can go down a list of, of various mixed martial arts academies that are here in New York City that have great homegrown talent that need to be represented here locally. It, it, it really boggles my mind how the state of New York that, that's struggling for cash would not put this shit on the table. It's disgusting. I, I got to throw a, a shout out to Ames Bell from MMA Die Hard. She actually said that an estimated large card would bring in $40 million of tourism revenue in markets like Albany, Rochester, MSG, etc. I, I appreciate her for sharing that because I, I didn't have that in front of me. And you know what? She's 100% right. Why would you turn away $40 million when we don't have fucking jobs? But that's how New York politics works. They're full of shit. There are a whole bunch of old codgers that have done no research on the sport. They only go by what they see on YouTube, or they probably see old footage from UFC 1 or UFC 2, and don't bother learning anything else. Honestly, I think that this is something that's going to be at least not going to be approved for, for another two or three years until a lot of these old guys either get voted out or fucking keel over. That's the way it is. It's a, it's a great weekend for MMA. I forgot about this event. Uh, this Sunday, UFC will be on Versus. Uh, we, you got fights on Facebook and also on the Versus Network. On the main card, Nate Marquardt and Rick Story is your main event. Pat Barry and Chet Congo is your co-main event. Super excited for that. Huge Pat Barry fan. Matt Brown and John Howard are also on the main card, as are Matt Mitrione and Christian Moorcraft. You can catch that on Versus this Sunday. On the prelims, you can actually watch those on Facebook. Manny Gambirian and Tyson Griffin. Joe Stevenson and Javier Vasquez. Joe Lazan and Kurt Warburton. Rich Antonito and Daniel Roberts. Charlie Brenneman and TJ Grant. Nick Lentz versus Charles Oliveira, Matt Grease and Ricardo Lamas, and Edward Filoto versus Michael Johnson. All of those fights will be on Facebook. So head over to the UFC page, and you'll get to watch all those fights for free. Last bit of MMA news to wrap things up. A lightweight fight between the fireball kid Takanori Gomi and Nate Diaz is in the works for UFC 135. It's been speculated that both fighters have verbally agreed to meet, and that's going to be taking place September 24th at Denver's Pepsi Center. The main event will be John Bones Jones and Quentin Rampage Jackson. The co-main event, Matt Hughes and Diego Sanchez, Damasio Page and Kid Yamamoto are also on that card. Nate Diaz, Takanori Gomi, Mark Hunt, Ben Rothwell, and uh, Rob Broughton and Travis Brown. Super pumped for this card for for three out of these fights. Number one being John Jones and Rampage, just to see if Rampage can recapture the light heavyweight belt. Um, the the betting man would pick John Jones, but the diehard Pride Fighting fan is going to pick Rampage. I think Rampage is an interesting opponent for John Jones, just because of his wrestling background. He's very heavy handed, and I definitely see this fight ending 
very violently for one of these guys. Either John Jones is going to come in there and set the pace with his Muay Thai striking, or Rampage is going to come in there and go for the kill. I'm, I'm hoping we see old pride fighting Rampage that will come and drop John Jones on his fucking head. Don't know if we see that. Um, thanks for that, Ames. Ames actually told me that uh, no uh, Charlie Brenneman fight because TJ Grant pulled out sick. So thanks for that. Ames is uh, delivering this week, so appreciate the assist. That's actually going to wrap it up for the MMA news this week. One thing I did want to say before closing things out, there are a lot of people that were talking about this Takanori Gomi, Nate Diaz fight just because they feel that that Gomi has lost his stride. This is a guy who was 32 and 7. He's 1 and 2 in in the in the cage so far against Nate Diaz who's 8 and 5. Um don't write off the fireball kid. It's, once again, pride fighting, Japanese MMA coming out. Gomi is Gomi has no problem going in there and doing damage. I think that he still hasn't acclimated to the cage. Uh, that's, again, my opinion on the matter. Not to take anything away from Nate Diaz. Nate Diaz is a phenomenal fighter, and he really doesn't fuck around. But um, I think that the beauty of this fight is that if, it, if it's kept standing, Gomi can definitely do damage. Now, if it goes to the ground, obviously Diaz has the edge, but... Anybody that writes off Gomi as one and done, it should really go and do some homework and watch some YouTube videos, cause uh, you can't you can't write off Takanori Gomi. He's way too sick to to be written off. And I just got told that Bloodstain Lane is in the house, and I'm gonna bring him on air right now. Bloodstain yep. Lane, what's the deal? What's up, Rich? What's going on, bro? How you feeling? I'm good, man. What's going on with you? Chilling, man. Fucking just got like one eye open doing this interview right now. Getting ready to go back to work in a little bit, but I'm good to go. All right, homie. We're gonna we're gonna keep it brief, like I told you. I actually wanted to bring you on for to talk about this uh, strike force situation, but also to talk about the well the the two part project that you launch, of course, that being TeamTakeOver.tv and the Team Takeover forums. So I definitely want to start with that first. You guys recently launched the site. You, I, I got to tell you, you guys are doing fucking great work. No bullshit. Um, I got to commend you on your Bozo of the Week, your SEG UFC and Pride article, which was great. That Batahari video from Still Will was ridiculous. And the uh, Paulie Malinagi article was, was badass as well. And I don't even follow boxing that tough. So great work, man. I think I think the writing suits you. Yeah, you know what? The, the, the site was... Really, really, we just, we just, you know, it's, it's been getting ready to get launched for a long time, and you know, we were just, you know, speculating on what we wanted to do with it, and uh, we decided, you know, we're not gonna make it too, too fancy, and you know, we had, a, we had somebody that was gonna, we were gonna make like a really high profile website, this and that, and we said at the end of the day, it just all comes down to, you know, good content, you know, so. We just, you know, we, we kept it simple. You know, it's not the most fancy website. Uh, you know, it's it's pretty much a website, you know, obviously that discusses, uh, you know, all combat sports, MMA, boxing, kickboxing, Muay Thai. And like I said, it, it's just, it's just you know, it, 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 it can take a website just, you know, it, it's, you know, a collective of us that, you know, writes articles, you know, uh, does highlight, the highlight reels, uh 
live video vlogs and all kinds of other stuff. So we got a lot of people on the staff. So this, you know, trying to keep the site um, fresh every day. Right now, I think I've been putting putting out most of the content, but you know, as we get more, you know, getting the site, just, it's just getting started. So, you know, we're gonna have a lot more stuff coming out. You know, a lot more, a lot more, you know, a lot more vloggers, a lot more people writing articles, a lot more uh, highlight makers, and all kinds of other stuff. But so far, you know, so far the site's doing very, very well. You know, uh, actually, the webmaster for the site is the guy who did MMAJapan.com, Mike Hackler. You know, he helped us out with the website, and uh, you know. Daniel Fletcher also, who's one of my partners from the Team Takeover. And, like, yeah, so far the site's doing good, man. People, it's getting a very, very positive uh, response so far. Oh, yeah, I subscribe to the RSS feed for the site, so I read it every day. You know, it comes right through my news feed. I read it on my phone or on my um, on my iPad. Um, one thing I want to shout you out on was that Ernesto Hoost article, because I haven't heard that name in ages. And it's funny because a couple of days back I was playing a, a Pride game I had on the – uh, on the uh, PlayStation 2, and it was from Japan, and I'm like, holy shit, it's Ernesto Hu, so it was a nice throwback to see that, and it was fitting that you wrote that article, so one thing I really like is how you guys are, are digging deep and bringing back a lot of that nostalgia, a lot of the shit that made people fans in the first place. I mean, your UFC Pride comparison article was a great example of that. That's how I started watching mixed martial arts. Nothing like Dan Severn and, you know, Hoist Gracie choking somebody out with his gi to make you a fan. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. Listen, you know, at the end of the day, there's so many great fighters that are kind of like forgotten and people don't really, you know, are up to date about. And it's not even like just trying, you know, to be like uh, some, you know, somebody different and, you know, like being, I guess, like a, a fight hipster or something like that. It was just, I want people to realize that there was these people here that were in the fight game that gave it, you know, their blood, sweat and tears and, they need to be recognized. Well, you know, like for instance, uh, the Ernesto Hoost article. You know, it's been a while since you heard that name. You know, and you know, if, you know, a lot, a lot of new fight fans don't even know who Ernesto Hoost is. I did an article f about um, this fighter from uh, Mike's gym named Yuri Mess, who is uh, one of the best kickboxers of all time in Holland. And actually, Melvin Manoff uh, gave me props for that article on my Facebook page. Um, I did an article about a boxer named Ike Quarte from Ghana. Who's one of the best right. box, one of the best welterweights in the '90s, along with uh, Trinidad, Oscar De La Hoya, Sweet Pea, and he was a beast. I quote saying, his son and his uncle, I mean, his son and his nephew actually got in touch with me on Twitter and said they were thrilled with the article. So I'm just trying to, you know, shine some light on a lot of those guys who have been forgotten in the fight game, and I feel, I feel like they should be recognized for their for their achievements. And there's going to be plenty of more of those articles that will come out, uh, the old fighters and new fighters. You know, just, you know, just to educate people on, you know, all the great fighters out there that are not so well known. Oh, well, you know, you got our full support, man. So if you need us to, you know, put some articles out there, move some stuff for you, we'll, we'll, we'll do it, man. You know, you got you got help on that. Oh, always, man. Always. I said, like, you're, you're one, you know, this, 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 this industry and this, you know, this, this whole, you know, fight game, whatever, there's not too many people uh, I really give a shit about or I care for, you know, you know, uh, very, very select few. You guys are definitely one of the few people that I definitely could call a friend and, you know, uh, we're always going to be doing some sort of business together, definitely in the future, always. Oh, um, got to let you know that Ames Bell is in the chat and she told me to tell you what's up and hi, sugar. <laughs> oh, my God. Tell her what's up. <laughs> All right. I'll put it in the, I'll put it in the chat. Um, the, the, the big get I wanted to talk to you about 
was the strike force situation. Obviously, heavyweight Grand Prix this weekend. Um, I'm just going to pluck a couple of things that that jumped out and, and get your thoughts on. Um, first off, the, the Masvidal and KJ Noons fight was a lot more exciting than I anticipated. I was pleasantly surprised. Yeah, that fight, to me, had the opportunity to go both ways. It could have been like one of those very technical, you know, boring, you know, boxing matches where guys are, you know, scared to take chances or had, you know, the potential to be fireworks. Um, I'm not going to lie, uh, Masvidal really, really surprised me in that fight. You know what I'm saying? He uh, actually outboxed KJ Noons, who I thought KJ had the advantage. You know, even though Masvidal is, is a pretty good boxer, but Masvidal, you know, tagged him on the feet, looked a lot more sharp. His technique looked a lot more crisper through, you know, Lots of good flying knees, and just he had way better control of the cage. You know, he used his uh, takedowns when he had to. He used his, uh, you know, uh, just his technique, you know, uh, ju- you know, just his octagon control in general, you know, putting him against the cage when he had to, and really just control the fight, you know, all aspects of uh, mixed martial arts he really, you know, dominated. Yeah, I was, I was so impressed, and, and much like you, I was like, damn, this fight, this fight was a lot more exciting only because – I knew KJ Noon's boxing was was crispy, and Masvidal came in and started dropping knees on him, and he was leaking all over the place. I was like, "Well, damn, this is this is actually a legit fight right now." Like I thought it was going to be, you know, KJ Noon's using his boxing to keep him away and outscore him and take the decision. But Masvidal was an animal in this fight. Yeah, yeah, and I like I've always liked Masvidal, and I just really started to uh, appreciate KJ Noon's. But uh, uh, Masvidal definitely, definitely won me over. He looked, uh, you know, I guess a top fight fighter like KJ Noons. He looked very, very good. Uh, I don't think that he's ready for somebody like Gilbert Melendez. But, uh, you know, it's definitely a step in the right direction for, for Masvidal. Ah. Well, we'll see what happens. You think you think they'll give Masvidal that shot against Gilbert? I I mean, who really who's really out there for Gil to fight at this at this stage of the game, in strike force, I think that uh, it's kind of like a Nick Diaz situation where um, you got to start looking, you know, for, for better competition for the guy. And uh, I think, you know, actually him crossing over to the UFC would actually benefit him better than staying in strike force and really fighting guys that are, you know, like I said, Masvidal is a good fighter, but I don't think that he's ready for somebody like Gil Melendez. I think Gil Melendez kind of cleaned house over there, and it's time for him to, you know, start looking elsewhere now. The other fight that that I jumped out to me, and this fight only I wanted to ask you about because some people were really, like, shitting on him, and I want to talk about Chad Griggs and Valentine Overeem. Um, you know, of course, the Overeem brothers, staples in Japanese MMA and uh, the K-1 team. Valentine Overeem, you know, basically tapped out to strikes. How, how do you feel about – how do you feel the way that went down, and how do you feel about Chad Griggs' performance? Well, you know – I, I, in this fight, going into the fight, I, you know, obviously I rooted for Valentine Overeem. So because I'm cool, you know, with a lot of Golden Glory guys, I actually hung out with Valentine Overeem uh, during uh, the Karatana Velasky, uh Fedor Bigfoot Silver card. One of the nicest people I ever met. Uh, that being said, uh, Valentine has always been known not to be the most mentally tough fighter. In the back of my mind, I, I you know... I, you know, I had that, you know, I was thinking that, but, you know, I still thought that Valentine was still, he still has some very good, he's still a highly skilled fighter, you know what I'm saying, he trains with Team Golden Glory, he has good, uh, 
you know, good good stand up, good submissions, uh, pretty solid takedowns, and I figured that his experience might get him through the fight. Chad Griggs is just a you, you know just a blue collar, scrappy scrappy guy. You know what I'm saying? He's a guy that's never going to quit, and when you have a guy who's never going to quit going against a guy who's not the most mentally strong fighter, uh, regardless of who has the skill advantage. The guy with, you know, who's just, you know, like a mentally tough guy is going to end up on top, and that's what happened. And uh, in my opinion, uh, you know, listen, the guy gave 15 years. He's been in the game for 15 years, and, uh, you know, he tapped out through the strikes, uh, and, you know, it happens, man. When you get to that stage of the game, and, you know, sometimes it's time to retire, and I think uh, Valentine's probably hit that, uh, that you know, that point of his career, you know, he definitely, he's kind of like an, a Marill Ninja Hua situation right now, that he can't compete with these high-level guys no more, you know, and Chad Briggs, Chad Briggs is not like the most highly skilled mixed martial artist, but he's a tough, tough guy, and sometimes that's all you need to succeed. Oh, yeah, he broke Bobby Lashley's spirit, which was crazy, especially, you know, with all the hype that they had Bobby Lashley have, so, I, you and, know, I was just surprised the way the way it went with Overeem, like I said, because you know I like I like the Overeem brothers. You know I've seen a, a lot of their fights, and you know much like you, I was pulling for them, and I was like, damn. But as soon as it happened, I was like, fuck. Yeah, well, you know, Bobby Lashley's another guy who's not a mentally strong fighter, and like you said, when you have a guy who's who's you know just a tough, tough dude, it's gonna happen, and that's what happened. He broke Overeem, and Overeem, you know. Didn't want any more to do with it. And like I said, he's kind of in a situation. One thing about Ninja who it is, though, Ninja never really, uh, he'll, he'll, he'll fight to the death. You know what I'm saying? Ninja, Ninja was one of those kind of fighters. He'd fight to the death, you know? And I don't, you know, uh, Valentine's not really, like I said earlier, not the most mentally tough guy. But, you know, 15 years of fighting, you know, guys like that can get a pass. There you go. Um, how'd you feel about uh, Daniel Cormier's performance against Jeff Monson? I'm a, I'm a huge Snowman fan from the old UFC days, so to see to see him in there still banging was was really great to see. And and he, not for nothing, he didn't even look sloppy in that fight. I think that Daniel Cormier's striking was bananas at this stage of the game, especially coming from a guy that had such a strong wrestling. Yeah, uh, yeah, it was definitely Jeff Monson. Definitely, uh, that's it's awesome to see him in there fighting at that age and. Fighting with these young lions like Daniel Cormier, you know, it's, when when you have a you know old time fighting these young guys like a beast like Cormier, it's always something cool to see. Cormier, man, he looked uh, he looked um, outstanding, you know. He looks he has the same kind of a uh, physical uh, body to uh, to Fedor too, like the same height, the same like body uh, body look to him. Um, Cormier's striking looked good. Uh, didn't even really use much of his wrestling too much. But uh, he looked—he looked good, Cormier. Definitely one of the young lions of the sport. Definitely somebody you got to keep an eye on. Like for Monson to be in there and going three rounds with one of these young beasts, uh, that goes to show you how tough Jeff Monson was. You know, Jeff Monson is one of the most underrated fighters in MMA in my period, in my in my opinion. And uh, and uh, he he held his own against Daniel Cormier. Yeah, I mean, you know, the, I, I, multiple-time Abu Dhabi champion is 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 nothing to laugh at, and I and I was like, damn, if this fight go if this fight goes to the ground, it's going to be a clinic. But Cormier kept, kept it standing, which is good on his part, just because he showcased some really great striking. I think he's going to be one of those guys you got to watch now in the heavyweight division. He could really do some damage. Absolutely, because uh, you know. 
his, his like, like you said, you know, Cormier has the wrestling, but now it looks like he's adding the striking to his game. So it's going to be hard to take this guy down. And he's, he's holding his, he's looking really, really good on the feet. So uh, definitely a problem in the future. The only thing that, that I'm concerned about is size. He's a little bit undersized in my opinion, but um, I think his strength and like his great wrestling skills should be enough to, uh, you know, uh, compensate for that. Well, I think that he's gonna probably do like much like when Rashad Evans first started. He Rashad fought in the on he, at heavyweight on the Ultimate Fighter, then he dropped down to light heavy. I'm sure Cormier may may drop down to 205 in the future. I think one thing that I that that made me a fan of Cormier as well is the fact that he doesn't use what you were saying, you know, using the wrestling to smother and cover. He likes to go in there and stand and make shit exciting. Yeah, and like I said, uh, you know, Cormier is, uh, like I, he's one of my guys to look out for. Uh, I know he's, he's good friends with King Mo. He's part of that Team Tennessee camp. And, um, yeah, I mean, like, I was looking for that kid. And I think you're great. He kind of reminds me of Rashad Evans. Uh he kind of remind you know he kind of reminds you of one of those other, uh, one of those other fighters from Strike Force who's really really like a great talent that uh, that kid Lorenz Larkin you know I mean in terms of like body physique I could actually see uh, sometime down the line Daniel Cormier fighting Lorenz Larkin that would be a great fight. Yeah, Lorenz Larkin is fighting on Strike Force Challengers I believe tomorrow. Yeah, yeah, I, I said uh, Lorenz Larkin is, is he's a very you know tight compact guy. You know, he kind of reminds me of uh, the same kind of physique as Cormier has. You know, uh, Larkin is that kid's one of the most exciting fighters out there right now. Not to go off topic, but he's somebody to keep an eye on, also. Yeah, I'll be watching that tomorrow. And of course, yeah. we got a uh, co-main event and the main event: Barnett and Rogers. Barnett's catch wrestling on full display in this fight. I don't. I, I think Rogers had no solution for him. Where I know you must have been excited just to see another another one of the guys from the from the Pride days come in there and do some damage. Barnett looked awesome, and his post fight promo, especially as a wrestling fan, was was a treat to see. Yeah, uh, you know what? To be honest with you, I I expected um, I I don't know. I had a funny feeling that Josh Barnett was going to pull off uh, Brett Rogers going to pull off some kind of upset. And he and he uh, he didn't. Uh, he got completely outclassed by uh, you know uh, Josh Barnett. Showed his catch wrestling skills, took him down. I was a little scared in the first round when Josh Barnett took him down, and was in a uh, full mount. I was like, oh shit, not another Gilbert Ivel uh, situation when he takes him down. He's mounted, you know, not doing anything, but he got the submission. Uh, Brett Rogers was completely outclassed on the ground, and uh, yeah, I mean Barnett came through, came out on top, you know, and. Uh, I love the next fight of him versus Sergey Karatanov. It's a classic Pride style matchup. Oh, that fight with Karatanov is going to be insane because Karatanov has one punch KO power, and Barnett Barnett's wrestling is going to come into play. I want to see how Bart how Karatanov is going to defend that shoot and not get caught on the ground. Yeah, you know, and it, it, you know Karatanov is, you know, he's tough as nails. He's gritty. He's a gritty, gritty dude. It's like. It's like uh, somebody carved him out of a slab of concrete. Just a tough, tough dude. And um, if you know, I don't know if you guys remember the, the Alexander Emelianenko Josh Barnett fight in Pride, and Alex was beating the shit out of Josh Barnett. Like he was beating him up like yeah, he was beating him up like like Rocky Balboa was beating up a slab of meat in the freezer. He was like there was that kind of beatdown, and then Barnett finally got to the ground and got and got the W. 
Uh, this fight kind of reminds me of that, you know, you know, Caritano is a great boxer just like Alexander was. And um, I don't know. I mean, this fight's gonna, all going to come down to the ground. You know, Barnett's going to have to get it to the ground. If not, he's going to get beat up on the feet. And uh, I really can't call that fight the 50-50 fight for me. But it's definitely a, a throwback to the old pride days. And, um, of course, the last fight, and before I uh, before I go into it, I got a, one of your fans hitting me up on Twitter. Danu1983420 uh, told me to tell you that the team takeover site is fucking sick, and he wanted to let you know to say what's up as well. So, see that, yeah, he's man? a good dude. Uh, shout, shout out to him. He's a good dude, Daniel. There you go. And, uh, and of course, Overeem and, and Verdue, man. What the fuck? <laughs> it was such a weird fight, dude. I can't even hate on the fight because it was so awkward. Yeah, I, I'm man. I felt <laughs> I, I felt dirty. I felt dirty. I it, 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 if you ever eat White Castle, how you felt after you eaten White Castle? That's why I felt after watching this. I felt dirty and sleazy after watching that fight because it was just very very weird. Um, you know, a lot of people are shitting on whole rings of performance. And listen, I ain't gonna you know be a nut hog and say it was a great performance. But at the same time, it's very it, stylistically that matchup. It's 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 tough to fight because you have one guy who wants to go to the ground and one guy who wants to keep it standing. Now a lot of people saying Verdum outstruck a K1 level fighter on the feet. Now, you know, fighting is all mental. You know, it's all mental. When you're worried about going to the ground and 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 being taken down in the submission sometimes you leave your guard a little bit more open than you normally would you know what i'm saying and i think that's what the case with over that's why he was getting tagged by for doom so much even though he got tagged by really nothing that effective besides that one high knee in the second round but uh you know he got he got he got out tagged he didn't really get outstruck he got out tagged he got hit with more with more punches um but uh, he listen. I, I thought Overeem definitely did enough to win the fight. You know, it's hard. You know, in the first, especially the first round, Verdum can fall into his back. I mean, how can you give Verdum that, that that round? You know, if you keep falling to the ground and asking the guy to come to the ground, you know, it's just it's just ridiculous. You know, uh, he did enough to win the fight, not in spectacular fashion, but he definitely did enough to win the fight. And uh, was it pretty? No. But Verdum and, and a lot of these, a lot of these idiots in the MMA community want to shit on uh, Fabricio Verdum. Listen, the guy beat at the time the number one heavyweight on the planet, who was undefeated for ten years. Okay, he beat him, and he beat Bigfoot Silver before that, and he had a win, uh, a win over Mike Kyle also. So you know, beating Fedor Emelianenko and beating Bigfoot Silver, to me, I don't give, I don't give a shit what, what, what you think of the guy. That warrants a top three spot as a heavyweight. And Alistair Overeem beat him, whether it was ugly or not. So you have to give Reem his, you know, his props as being a top heavyweight just for getting that W, no matter how he got it. He still got it. You know, just like all these other UFC fighters get ugly wins and they get praised to death, you know, by these people. And, uh, you know, he got the W, you know. I was I was ups- I was concerned because of, of Overeem breathing heavy after that fight just because he came in lighter. So, you know, that conditioning definitely concerned me because I'm like, damn, you know, Overeem came in lighter, but he was winded. But I think that it was just trying to, def- deflect, you know, defend all them fucking shoots and takedowns that he tried to do, especially when he tried to pull guard all those times. I think that was just exhausting. Yeah, Overeem looked a lot more slimmer in his fight. And I couldn't believe how big Verdun was compared to Overeem. Verdun was actually 
in terms of body mass, a lot bigger than uh, Overeem, in my opinion. And um, yeah, I mean, I guess all those all those shots that he kept on stuffing, but Verdun Verdun wore himself out too. You know, a lot of people talking about Overeem's cardio. Verdun was couldn't even get up after pulling guard so many times. He couldn't get up. You know, the, the, it was it was it was it was kind of sad to see, to be honest with you. And um, like I said, it was definitely a disappointing fight. Definitely did not live up to the expectations. Um, I think Overeem needs to be fighting more MMA. If he's going to be serious about this, he needs to you know be more in action in a continuous flow regarding MMA. And I think uh, the fight with Bigfoot is a lot more intriguing style-wise because Bigfoot likes to stand up and bang a little bit more than Verdum uh, does, uh, does. So maybe we would actually see you know Overeem's K1 level striking. You know, and K1 level K, K1 and MMA is different. You know what I'm saying? If it was a K1 match, Overeem would destroy Verdum. But it's MMA, and when you're worried about a guy with his BJJ credentials, you know, you're not thinking about Verdum's stand-up. You're thinking about his submission game and being taken to the ground. So you know, his like I said in my video, he kept his stand-up a little bit more exposed than, uh, than always. You know, I'm not saying Verdum's a better striker. He just that was more of a, a mental advantage he had. He knew that Overeem was worried about the ground game, so he tagged him on the feet a little bit more. Yeah, I was, I you know, I was, I was just heartbroken by the way it went, and of course, you know, re seeing Twitter explode the way it did, I you know, I just felt that each guy fought their fight. Like Overeem wanted to keep it standing, Verdum wanted to keep it to the ground, and Overeem wasn't doing it. I mean, the one time it went to the ground, Overeem was working hard to get on the stand-up because he knows had he hit him with a knee or a clean shot, it would have been lights out. Yeah, listen, the bottom line is this, the fight sucked. The fight sucked. And, he, <laughs> and even uh, even Overeem's manager, who I spoke to the next day, Martin DeYoung, I spoke to him on the phone, and he even said the fight sucked. It was, it was disappointing. And he actually said that Overeem followed a game plan. He did not want to go to the, to, to the ground right away. Like, you know, Fedor did, you know. Uh, Fedor is, <laughs> you know, Fedor is a blood, bloodthirsty animal. And he, when he when he feels like he you're hurt, he don't give a shit what kind of situation he goes into. And, you know, he, he, that's what makes Fedor so great that back in the day he went into Nogueira's guard, which was considered the most dangerous guard in MMA at the time. Fedor didn't care. He went into Verdun's guard after he felt Verdun got rocked, which is Verdun's strength. But that's the kind of guy Fedor is. He's a nut job, you know. And Overeem did learn from that, learning to be a little bit more relaxed and composed, and they don't want to go into that right away. And that's what that's what his trainer told me. He didn't, they wanted they didn't want to do another Fedor, so they played a little bit more laid back and conservative, you know, and led to a shitty fight. Well, the last uh, the last thing uh, before I let you go, the um, just to jump off that a, a bit. You know, Bellator's this weekend, man. One of the guys that you talk about a lot, Marlon Sandro, is fighting. I know yeah, you yeah. Uh, yeah, uh, Marlon Sandro's a guy I'm definitely big up on. You know, he lost his last fight to Hatsuhiyoki, who's one of the top three featherweights in the world. Um, it's finally good to see Sandro uh, stateside. You know, he's pound for pound some of the heaviest hands in the sport. Uh, especially his um, his uh, right uppercut, uh, absolutely devastating weapon. Uh, definitely cool to see him fighting. But you know what? I'm not gonna lie to you. I'm not the biggest Bellator supporter in the world. A lot of people are. I'm not. You know, I I, I don't know, I, and I can't tell you exactly why I don't like them. I mean, I do like them, but I'm not, I can't tell you exactly why I'm not their biggest fan because I don't really have a legit reason. But um, 
definitely this one sparks my interest, and I'll definitely be supporting Marlon Sandro this weekend. Uh, this week, I actually met the guy and um, had some conversations with him. Good guy, and uh, hopefully, he can make his name out here in the states. I hope so, man. I've seen I've seen a lot of highlight reels of his based on your recommendation, so I'm actually very excited to watch him fight because I know he could come in and do some real damage. So uh, I'm pulling for him as well, like I said, just because you know I got to give you props for putting me onto the dude. The dude is no joke. Yeah, yeah, like, like I said, Marlon Sanders is definitely one of my guys, and uh, I'm I'm definitely pumped uh, this week uh, uh, to watch him fight um, on Bellator. So, like I said, I hope he has some good success, and definitely uh, going to be tuned in for that. Well, dude, that's it. We we covered everything we had to cover. I told you, man, 30 minutes. <laughs> yeah, no, we ran right through it, as always, you know, uh, you know, I'm just, you know, I'm just trying to be, you know, a little bit more laid back as of days. You know, I got a lot of these, uh, not to go off topic, I got a lot of these bozo fucking agents that are talking shit about me on radio shows and lying, trying to build up their name. And uh, I'm just trying to stay relaxed because if I, if I explode and, and I start exposing people for what they really are and start putting out secrets out there, people are not going to like it. So I don't know if you've seen me on, on Twitter lately, I've been a little bit more relaxed as of late. But um, I got my. I always got my finger on the trigger, and I'm waiting, and I'm waiting, I'm waiting. And uh, if I ever got something to say, I'm gonna report it to you guys first. Oh well, I, the, the way I tell you, and and this is just to to acknowledge that man. I think I think the way you're playing the game now is the right way to play it. Just because, you know, Bloodstain Lane isn't just a character. It's not just a, a video blogger. It's your brand. It's who you are. And getting into these. Quote, you know, these internet beefs, man, is the equivalent of uh, of yelling at fucking pigeons on your doorstep. You know, they'll fly away and they'll come back. So it's just, you know, don't waste your time entertaining it. I just tell you that, you know, as a colleague, as, a, as you know, a, a, a local dude, don't even waste your time. You know, just do what you're doing. Like I said, your fucking writing is phenomenal. Your site, your site is coming along. Like I said, keeping it simple, keeping it gritty like that just keeps that nostalgia alive. So, dude, don't change that shit. But don't don't play the game either, because you got way yeah, too much yeah. talent. Hold on. I'm not even, you know, blowing up your ass. No, I know, and I, and I'm trying, definitely trying to stay away from the ugly, the ugly side of it. You know, I, at one point I was wilding out to the point where, I mean, I was I was going crazy over here with these people and. Uh, you know, it, it's just sad when, you know, the sport is becoming more like, you know, it's, you, you got, you got agents that are trying to be bigger than their fighters that they manage and they're trying to build themselves as some tough guys using my name and telling out, uh, saying, you know, some bullshit ass stories and fabrications and this and that. And, you know, like I said, I always, you know, I'm trying to definitely go the the right route with this thing now. But at the end of the day, I always, you know, like I said, I have my finger on the trigger. And, you know, if it gets to that point, I'm just going to let loose. But I'm definitely trying not to do that. I'm definitely trying to, you know, just, you know, be, go back, go back to my roots and how I came into the game, you know, and just, just be the, you know, the hardcore fan that I was. And that's the direction I'm taking right now. And, uh, like I said, you know, I got the site up now, TV. And uh, every day I'll be pumping out some new stuff. If it's not for me, it's from, you know, all my other colleagues at the Team Takeover. So, you know, just everybody keep their eye on that, www.teamtakeover.tv. All right. Um, one thing I wanted to tell you, um, tell your tell your web guy to drop me an email because that way you can add your forums to the to the site. Oh, yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. You know what? 
I'm going to give you his email today. Yes, I'm going to give you his email today. Or no, just, DM, uh, just DM me his email, and I'll tell him what, what plug-in he needs for that. He'll be good money. That way you don't got to jump around to two different places. Yes, yeah, that's exciting. With that kind of stuff, I'm not going to lie, I'm not the most intelligent person when it comes to computer stuff. So you're definitely gonna have to, I, I'll definitely get you in touch with him to get that worked out because that's, that, that's definitely something that needs to be done. All right, homie. That's not a problem. Any other shout-outs you want to give before I let you off? Uh, yeah, just shout-out, you know, shout-out my brother, Mr. Fahrenheit. You know, he's been out of the loop lately. You know, yeah, Abby, Abby, as, you, as you've seen, he hasn't been in any of my videos, but uh, it's definitely not done. You know, he's been working hard, and we, he'll be back soon. Trust me when I tell you, he'll be back soon, you know, working with me again. And uh, shout-out to everybody at the Team Takeover Forum, you know, everybody on the website. Shout out to you and, and your whole movement you got going. Definitely one of my, definitely one of my only friends in this game. And uh, yeah, shout out to everybody out there, man. Supports me and you know everything that I do. No doubt, man. Well, I, I appreciate you coming through, man. Like I said, we got a link. Grab some real greasy food and fucking shoot the shit. So we'll link soon, man. Oh yeah, for sure. We definitely got to do that. Definitely got to do that. Uh. Definitely after the 4th of July, you know what I'm saying, when things clear up a little bit, we'll, let's go get some fucking rice and beans, some plantains, and some shitty food in the Bronx. I'm down. You got it, my brother. All right, man, take care of yourself. Have a good one, Rich. Later, bro. Peace. Bye-bye. All right, folks, you just heard Bloodstain Lane. You can check out his site, teamtakeover.tv, not teamtakeover.com, teamtakeover.tv. You can also check out the team takeover forums as well. Uh, like I said, talented dude, very opinionated on the sport of mixed martial arts and combat sports in general, including boxing, K1. He, he can even hang with some professional wrestling. So definitely look out for team takeover in the future. And we'll be trying to do some stuff with those guys. Also, if you're on Twitter and you want to hit him up, it's at Bloodstain Lane, all together, one word. And look him up on Twitter. Tell him MTR sent you. And again, just a just a a really cool dude, and I'm not even saying it just because we shoot the shit and he's a local guy, but just his, his delivery is the right way to be. Just no no reservations about anything. Not worrying about hurting nobody's feelings. I mean, we are the same way. We have the same message. So definitely, props to him for coming through again. TeamTakeover.tv at Bloodstain Lane on Twitter. I'm gonna take a quick commercial break. When I get back. We are going to talk some video games. Prodigy should be joining us shortly. And that's it. And we're just going to keep chugging along, folks, right after this. You know those shows where they play video game music and they laugh in, like, really high voices, like... <laughs> well, you won't listen to that on our show because uh, we don't have the budget for that kind of thing. Broke as hell. And uh, nobody really cares that much to laugh that hard. So um, if you're looking for a show like that, that has horrible audio quality and uh, void of fake laughter, Video Game News Radio, 11 p.m. Tuesday nights on all games. All right. Um, jumping around a little bit, obviously, because Prodigy is going to be joining us. We're going to be talking some video games first. I probably will backtrack and do some wrestling after um, our interview. So the order is going to be a little off, but wrestling will be discussed, especially because of the WWE Capital Punishment pay-per-view and CM Punk's announcement. So 
don't think that wrestling is going to be left hanging. It's just going to be a little switch in the order. Um, I think he's going to probably be calling between 12.15, 12.30. So until he calls, I've, you know what? I will get some wrestling stuff out of the way, but I'm only going to go into the wrestling news only because Raw and the pay-per-view are going to take a little longer. So let me just get some of those wrestling news out of the way first, and we'll be able to move forward. The World Wrestling Federation. For over 50 years, the revolutionary force in sports entertainment. All right. I got to, first off, I got to shout out the, the hardworking guys at Ring of Honor Wrestling. There's actually going to be a pay-per-view this weekend on Sunday starting at 4 o'clock. It's going to be Ring of Honor's Best in the World live from New York City here. I'm so fucking pissed I can't go to see this. But check out iPay-Per-View. Really great fights. Um, Generation Me is going to be on that card. They're going to be having a mar- uh, dark match against Kyle O'Reilly and Adam Cole. Also on that card, Cole Cabana is going to be wrestling. Homicide and Rhino are going to be having a street fight. Steve Carino with Jimmy Jacobs is going to take on Michael Elgin. Jay Lethal and Mike Bennett are going to be locking up on that card. Big Jay Lethal fan supported him from his old Ring of Honor days all the way through TNA, Black Machismo, all the gimmicks he's done. Jay Lethal's a phenomenal talent, and you can catch him in Ring of Honor. On the tag team championship side of things, Charlie Haas and Shelton Benjamin are going to take on the Kings of Wrestling and the Briscoes and the All Night Express. Just phenomenal tag team wrestling you know, something the WWE has been lacking as of late, and TNA's kind of put on the back burner. The Ring of Honor has some great tag teams. Haas and Benjamin, of course, you guys know who they are. The Kings of Wrestling, Claudio Castagnoli and Chris Hero are phenomenal, a phenomenal fucking tag team. Can't count out the Briscoes or the All Night Express either, so definitely a uh, tag team match to watch for sure. Uh, Ring of Honor TV champion, the Fallen Angel, Christopher Daniels, will be meeting El Generico the generic luchador don't let the name fool you the guy is an a-class wrestler goes in there delivers quality matches his feud with kevin steen epic wwe storyline writers should take note as should tna storyline writers about how you do a story and how you build it up over the course of 12 months with generico and steen one of the greatest feuds i've seen in recent memory and again i've been hearing that kevin steen may pop up at this pay-per-view. I don't know how true that is, but Daniels and Generico should be a solid match. And of course the ring of honor championship with the champion, Eddie Edwards locking up with his tag team against his tag team partner from the American wolves, Davey Richards. I put up a couple of hype videos regarding that match on the Facebook fan page. First thing I got to say, Eddie Edwards is a great wrestler, but I'm more of a fan of Davey Richards. Davey Richards is such a, a throwback to Chris Benoit. I'm a huge Chris Benoit fan, you know, regardless of whether he made his family tap out or not. Benoit, I'm still a fan of Benoit the athlete, Benoit the wrestler. That's a guy I watched for all the way back from him wrestling under a mask as the Pegasus kid in Japan, um, going into his ECW days, his WCW days, WWE Great, just great work from Benoit and Davy Richards is is a throwback to that style of wrestling. Super aggressive, just a great mix of mixed martial arts uh, technique plus regular chain wrestling as well. Plus he's a solid high flyer. Huge Davy Richards fan. I'm pulling for him only because they've been teasing 
him getting the belt for so long. And I sincerely hope that Davey Richards gets the opportunity. I'm not shitting on Eddie Edwards. I think Eddie Edwards is also a great wrestler. I just feel that his, I don't know. I think his mic work is kind of fucking weak, in my opinion. I think it's not where it should be. Um, Davey Richards, though, he's just a a hungrier, he's a hungrier guy. That's what I think. I think that the match itself is going to be a classic, and the build to this match has been fantastic as well. I mean, nothing beats the fact that Eddie Edwards actually told his tag team partner that he wants to fight him, and that's that, that it's the only way to be, to test himself. Definitely something which I want to see, just because both guys are, are, are awesome as a tag team, and now that they're branching off individually, there's so many ways this can go, but I'm pulling for Davey Richards, and you'll be able to catch that starting at 4 o'clock on iPay-Per-View. Speaking of the Ring of Honor Tag Team Champions, the Kings of Wrestling, they actually were at the Raw shows in New York and the SmackDown show in Providence. Allegedly, they were working out with WWE officials in the ring. Uh, Claudio Castagnoli and Chris Hero has have always been guys that people have wanted to see in the WWE. Uh, it concerns me only because the WWE is in a state of, of flux right now with what the fuck they're doing. One week it's complete dog shit, the other week it's not. I think that, you know, bringing these guys in, if they're going to start taking the, the tag team division seriously, then great. If not, then then leave these guys in Ring of Honor because I think uh, that's where that's where they belong and they're, they'll just do better there. I think knowing the WWE, they'll bring in Claudio, they'll put him in some foreign bad guy gimmick. Chris Hero, they'll put in some comedy gimmick that'll just suck ass. Um, just, you know, they'll pair him with, like, Santino and shit, and then they'll put Claudio with Kozlov. I think, um, overall, these you know, these guys, if you're going to do something with the tag team division in the WWE, then by all means, definitely go and find the best talent for that. But don't go and bring these guys in. Take them away from a promotion that delivers solid matches and capitalizes on all their strengths to saddle them in matches against Santino and Kozlov or, you know, Tyson Kidd and whatever de facto bullshit dude they tag team him with every, every week. I think that it's such a, it's a disservice if they bring these guys in and ruin them that, um, leave, leave them in fucking ring of honor. That's all I got to say. And another ring of honor, alumni member who was in TNA, Desmond Wolf, was released recently. Desmond Wolf had been sidelined for, for quite a bit of time, actually, with some unknown health issues, and that did not allow him to perform in the ring. I've heard different things from hepatitis, he- hepatitis being the main one. I don't know how true that is. Uh, Desmond Wolf was brought back recently to TV as the TNA Explosion Commissioner. Um, TNA Explosion is a is a show that's broadcast usually in international markets, and then somehow it ends up on YouTube. I've never seen TNA Explosion here in the U.S. It, it, it's just it just sucks because um, Desmond Wolf, for those of you unfamiliar, wrestled in Ring of Honor as Nigel McGuinness, and um, he came into TNA. He was doing so well. He had such a great program with Kurt Angle. Then when he was paired with Brutus Magnus and Chelsea. There there was so much potential there, so much great work. And whatever health condition he has, I hope it's nothing, you know, too detrimental to his health. And I, I wish him a speedy recovery. The guy excellent on the mic. He was fantastic. 
and it just sucks. I think that it reached a point where, where TNA, and I know it's supposed to be called Impact Wrestling, but saying Impact Wrestling a hundred a hundred times during the fucking show is stupid. So they'll just be called TNA until I decide to call them Impact Wrestling. John in the fucking chat, my my clone of a nephew. But um, on the real though, Desmond Wolf is, is a talented guy, and I and I really hope that whatever health issues he has can be treated because he really is a a great performer. His his promo skills are fantastic. During his feud with Kurt Angle, there was such a great dynamic in terms of just the promos that were cut and the style of wrestling that was showcased and to to see him on the sidelines for so long and not know what is wrong with him. It, it, it's just as a fan, it's just disheartening to see. So I sincerely hope that we'll be able to see him in some capacity, whether it's back wrestling or even doing commentary. I think he would make a great commentator as well, but, um, Hey, it is what it is. And, um, I guess I, th- I guess Prodigy's going to be dialing in. I I believe he might have logged out of the chat. I'm not 100% sure, but you know what? While I'm still in here, I'll talk about uh, WWE Raw. I'm not going to go through all the matches because all you, got, you guys all know what happened. But, of course, it was the three-hour Raw uh, viewer's choice. People voted on what matches uh, would, ha- would be happening. Of course, things went a little bit... Um, astray so to speak because there was issues with the voting system and certain matches did not get to happen one of those matches being evan Bourne, who was supposed to face either jack swagger mason ryan or sin cara what ended up happening was that mason ryan ended up capturing the majority of the vote which was not correct if you're if you're a true wrestling fan with any sense you're going to vote for sin cara to fight Evan Bourne, which was origin the original result, and as it turned out, the WWE staff and writers have acknowledged the issue that was going on, and they will be rectifying it this Monday, as Sin Cara will be wrestling Evan Bourne. I gotta give WWE props for doing that. I think um, that match is gonna be insane, only because it's a great cruiserweight showcase between these two guys. Both guys are fantastic, and one of the issues with Sin Cara as of late has been the fact that he cannot... I, I, I don't know if it's because the, the WWE roster hasn't adjusted to his wrestling style or he hasn't been able to embrace the WWE style, but he's been looking very awkward with a lot of his opponents. So I think a match with Bourne would have just been a, a great showcase of ability. We would have been treated to some really great high-flying, but... It didn't happen. Bourne ended up wrestling against Mason Ryan. And, of course, Bourne was going to lose because, you know, Batista 2.0 has to win. The other thing that happened was the – that I wanted to talk about was the Kofi Kingston-Dolph Ziggler match, which was two out of three falls. It turned out Kofi Kingston beat Dolph Ziggler – via DQ after Ziggler hit him with the microphone. Great match from these two guys. It's a it's a showcase of of future talent that you definitely need to keep an eye on. Kofi Kingston, I'm a little concerned because he just seems to be pigeonholed in that real goody goody gimmick. I think that if 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 you had to tar- turn Kofi Kingston heel at any point, it would have to be something so dramatic because um he does so well with the kids that it would be a tough sell. But I'll jump back into that 
later on in the show. I've just been informed that Prodigy is on the line, and I'm going to bring him in right now. Prodigy, what's going on, dude? Hey, how's it going? Thanks for calling in. I appreciate you uh, taking the time to come on the show. Yeah, definitely. No problem. There's a lot to say, though. So definitely. Great. I, um, of course, I, you've been, uh, you're known for your work with WCG and also with games and on the professional wrestling circuit. So I actually want to start with, with where you began and what got you into the competitive gaming scene. Like what was the catalyst? Um, basically it all started when I was, uh, the age of 17. Um, that's pretty much where around the whole pro gaming scene started beginning where gamers are getting, you know, um, getting paid to play and whatnot, MLGs forming up and, you know, all that good stuff is happening. Uh, so a lot of gamers are, are getting well prepared that, you know, it's a new scene for them. So from there, I started jumping into that uh, because gaming's been a passion for me. So pretty much from there, uh, I took a look into the scene and I was loving it like crazy. And before that, I was, you know, I used to be, uh, I used to be in a band. I used to do a lot of you know, sports and modeling, acting, all that stuff, but gaming was always there. So I took that road and, you know, took the risk on, on making it happen. So from there, you know, MLG started happening and, you know, I tried to form a Halo team. You know, it didn't end up too well. You know, you got you to gotta be with the top pro players out there. So I started scattering around doing local tournaments, you know, just getting my, my name out there. And when the show happened, which was like a couple of years later, um, that's when, you know, I blew up and skyrocketed. Now I have a huge fan base, started making uh, making things happen in the industry. Well, that's that That was the other thing. I, you know, like, I, I became familiar with your work on, on WCG Gamer when I watched it, and you, it, you heard the last episode I acknowledged. You know, you had that, that New York swag about you, even though you're, you're based out of Seattle now. And, um, you know, that was one of the reasons that I, I rooted for you just as on the strength that you were somebody local, and you went in there and you didn't play the uh, the reality show hype, which was refreshing to see. But your, your experience on that show, how how did you you know grow from that in terms of just ad- advancing in, in professional gaming? Was that a catalyst to to make you more well known, or was it just something that you did to test yourself? Um, during the time I was with Empire Acadia, and um, the. The CEO, he notified me about the a show, a reality show that's happening about video games, and it was about all-around gamer. You have to be top-notch in multiple different games, so that was just perfect for me. So uh, he told me about it, and I auditioned, and you know they loved the hell out of me. I did all the games that they uh, wanted me to play, and I pretty much five-starred everything. And so from there. Um, being on a reality show, I knew what they wanted. They wanted, you know, the whole drama stuff. You know, I've watched a lot of reality shows, so I knew what they were looking for. So I try not to play that role, and I play a role where it's just a straight competitor, um, not to stay on the drama side, you know, just to make things happen uh, for me on a good positive side note. So from there, that's why I stood by Swoozy, which was another competitor on the show. Uh stood by him, and, you know, we played the game well. Well, it was funny because it almost seemed like they were trying to book you not so much as a villain, but just somebody who was uh, an, uh, an antagonist based on your ability. And, you know, I remember when, when you guys were playing rock band at one point and, and just the way that they filmed the show, did you feel that you were per- portrayed inaccurately after you saw the finished product? Or did you just think that, 
you know, that just comes with the territory and you moved on. I was, it was more like they kept me as like under like a dark horse type of thing. Like I was like the, the, like the hooded type of like quiet uh, gamer. Um, and I kind of prefer that because, you know, I was kind of mysterious and whether people didn't know about me or did. Um, so I kind of like that because uh, towards the end, you see how I started, it, sh- it showed that I was more open and, you know, during um, each episode, you see more of my skills. Uh, and my game and my gameplay, and that's what I liked about it. I just wanted gamers to see my gameplay, and I was there for the show, and you know, for the competitive part to it, and not much of the reality drama. So I kept it, you know, pretty positive, and you know, just from there, I just, I just, I just wanted to be very positive about everything, and not make it too drama, like every, like some of the people that were on the show. So, you know, I'm from New York, so I try to make these happen. Oh yeah, you try. You, I, you know, I, I <laughs> like that you took the opportunity and you ran. You ran with the ball. I mean, some of the stuff that was there, I felt was a little hacky, just because it, it, I knew it was falling into that, you know, that reality show vibe. And I was like, uh, but you, you maintained your composure. A lot, you know, you, you hung in there and, and you did very well. Now, going into how far you've advanced since the show, you know, you've been working with games. I know you've been to E3. Um, how's your experience been working with games and definitely let the listeners know a little bit about what games is exactly that way they can become familiar with it because some of them may not know the details of what you do with them. Right. Um, so since after the show, I took the road where, um, I wanted to expand myself and create my own brand. Um, so since I have a lot of highlights and a lot of people from different companies in the industry and the video game industry, like Microsoft, Epic and Bungie, all these people, they actually knew who I was because of the show. So they see my, they see me at, at events. Uh, I've been to E3, PAX, uh, for three years now. And, you know, throughout those years, I've been working for, with different companies, uh, like Evil Controllers, Gunners, uh, and a few other companies. And, um, from there, I just learned a lot about marketing and networking. And I started building my brand beautifully from there and started connecting really well with a lot of people. Um, now, for this year, I am fully um, part with uh, GAMES, um, which stands for Gaming and Entertainment Mobile Systems. And I'm pretty much part of their marketing team and their pro player. And basically, it's a, it's a device, it's a unit for, uh, for a carry-on for your Xbox 360 and your PlayStation 3. It's pretty much a briefcase that carries your console and has a built-in LED 15.5-inch and you can pretty much play your console anywhere and anytime. All you got to do is just plug in. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, I just pulled it up and got a better look at it. I've seen I've seen um some pictures of it, but I never got to get the full concept of it. I just I just kept seeing it. I'm like, is is it a, a separate console that just has the guts of the system? So now I now I now I understand. How's um your work with games has it improved in terms of now being able to play anywhere? Yes, at this point, um, games, the fact that it's so, the comfortability of it, um, it's a briefcase. So you close it up and you open it up. You can carry it um, pretty much anywhere on planes or just anywhere that you're traveling to. Um, This is perfect for competitors to traveling to gaming events. Um, People who are hardcore gamers, you know, they travel to lands and corporate events and just wherever they want to go for their trips. Uh, This is just perfect for any time where... They want to stop stop at a 
you know, during the trip, if they're doing like a road, uh, like a road trip, they can stop anywhere at a Starbucks, plug it in, and play. Um, they can play during their um, during their delays on on their flights, you know, and during practice time when they're in the in the competitive state and like MLG, for example, WCG, uh, Evo, all that stuff. So it's just and also for the developers, anyone who's a developer, they always carry their developer case which is always built in a console, and this is like the perfect tool for them because they can open it up and check their glitches and whatnot. And, you know, the the LED screen is just perfect size for everything. So it's 15.5 inch, so you can't go wrong with that. And it's just a p- perfect tool for just everything when it comes to uh, gamers. And, you know, it's the perfect tool for LAN. I mean, like, you have every everything that comes in the console just goes inside the, the game's case perfectly and comfortably, so nothing's, like, moving around and whatnot. So it's just ready to set to go, and you can play it anytime. Is there? Um, I know that you can pick it up on Amazon. I know it go. It, it, Amazon has it listed for two ninety nine, and it should be dropping July seventh. Um, you're how involved were you in the development of this system? Were you involved at all, or was it something that you came on board with afterwards? Uh, I pretty much came on board with it after. Um, they actually were at E three last year, but they went black. Uh, until this um, around January of this year, um, I did a photo shoot for them, and you know I took a look into the product and I fell in love with it. Like I get goosebumps every time I see this because this thing is like just amazing. And from there, I started talking to them what I can be able to do for them, and you know the whole marketing strategy that I have the idea for. And for this year, this year is just going to be insane. That's why um, this E3, you know, it was amazing what we pulled off. I got some pro players that were you know, working with me throughout E3, um, showing off the game case. We had the Gears of War 3 uh, skin on the, the game case, so Epic saw that. They loved it, so they had that involved in the Gears of War 3 party. Um, Microsoft is loving the hell out of this product. I mean, like, this thing is everywhere at this point. And, you know, the the pro players that have seen it and played it, they loved it, they can't wait to get on it. Like, this is, like I said, this is the perfect dream come true unit for gamers, you know, to game on and take anywhere. Yeah, the the concept I really like just because it looks it looks small, not too cumbersome. You can take it on a flight with you without raising too many too many eyebrows and it looks like the case is really durable as well and it can take a bit of a beating so your console won't look like oh, yeah, shit definitely. when you open it wherever you go. Oh no, everything's strapped in. When once you carry it on, you can even drop it, you can just anything. I mean not not to a point where you just want to throw it to test the stuff out, but Think of a laptop. You don't want to throw that anywhere. But it's still durable, and we think military-wise as well. I mean, military, just, they're, they're, they're going bonkers over this stuff because this is perfect for them to travel, you know, when they're going out um, fighting a war or anything that they're doing. So we, we looked into that as well. I mean, this thing was two years in the making till, till now. So it's pretty much in, perfect, in the perfect set for, you know, for your travels and your gaming needs and whatnot. Yeah, I, de- I I definitely like the concept. And regarding that and your work with them as well, that's one thing you were talking about, just branding yourself. And um, it's funny because one, um, one of my staff members sent me a, a question for you, which he wanted me to ask you with regards to just you marketing yourself on the competitive circuit and working with games. But this leans more towards the competitive side. And he, asked, he wanted me to ask you, Josh, um, you know, what's the – when you're preparing to play in, in in the tournament scene, is it more about who plays the game the most, who's learned the who's learned the in and outs of the games the most, or 
is it just a matter of of lots of practice? Like which of those applies? It's everything. It's all about your your mindset and what you want to do. It's like there's different ways how how gamers, you know, when they put their mind to a certain game, whether they want to go pro or not. It's definitely all about practice. You have to practice and practice and practice constantly to a point where, you know, even if you get bored of the game, like that's when you know so much about it. But if you truly dedicate yourself, I mean, like you go to work, you come home, you do your business, and then practice, practice as much as possible. That's how you get better. I mean, it only makes sense. It's it's all about just knowing the game, you know, uh, through 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 so many through so many levels on on how a game functions. There's always something you learn every day, whatever game you play. So it's just like I said, just taking the dedication and time, uh, learning. And understanding um, your your mistakes constantly, you always got to learn your mistakes from there. And you know, when it's a team-based game, you got to run scrims. You got to constantly run scrims and practice against other other teams, other good teams. And you know, just getting yourself out there. And that's another thing you need to start competing as much as possible. You know, going to locals, to major events. You know, travel. You know, make it happen. Make a name for yourself. And that's that is the the best way to do it. That is the best advice I can give anyone for sure. One of the one of the questions I got asked in the chat was, you know, have you planned just for for argument's sake of, for for a career beyond gaming? You know, when when you get older, is there is there an, another avenue you'd like to go into? Um, at this point, there there's so many like jobs and the careers that I have, you know, that's still open for me to do. I definitely know that the, with the whole pro gaming, you know, to compete, um, I'm definitely going to be on that, you know, for the long run. Um, I just don't know. How, uh, I have no idea to when, you know, how old, how old I would get oh, no, from doing that. Of course. But um, from there, it's just like, you know, because there's a lot of things I'm going to let you know as well that not many people are or know um, that does not know. Uh, only the people like from the from the Gears of War community that I'm part of right now. Um, there's a lot of things that's about to happen for this year that people are going to start to understand. Because a lot of people know me as like a Gears of War player, and I'm always around the Gears of War scene, if anything. So, well, that that was that was a question I had personally. I've seen, you know, I've been watching a lot of your live streams. Um, as of late, I've been seeing your work with uh, Transformers: Dark of the Moon. You know, I, I, I yeah. see you putting in the work. You know, I, I I just I just go in, I watch, and I and I see your play style. And one thing I wanted to ask was. In in playing so many different games in so many genres, do you feel at, at any point burnt out on a certain genre of game, like playing a lot of music games or playing a lot of, uh, of F- FPS? Do you sometimes just go back and throw on something simple like Tetris or Mario just to, to decompress from all that information, or is it just a, a consistent work ethic for you just because you're trying to build your own brand? Well, everyone knows me as a multi genre player and the reason why I play different games is only because, you know, I I just can't play one game. I like to play a different game. That's that's just how I am. Um and from there it's like I, I usually get bored, like after two, three hours of playing one game, depending on if I'm playing teams or whatever. But just other than that, it it, it just depends on what game is out and, you know, one thing that I do, I like to play Guitar Hero. Uh only because it builds my reflex in the beginning. So I would play that, play one of the hardest songs in the game, build my reflex from there, and then I start playing like shooter or something. So my reflex is all built up, 
and I'm well prepared. It's kind of like a training and warm-up, um, per se, if anything. Um, definitely old school is always, you know, always at heart because I love Pac-Man. I actually know how to play Pac-Man at an extra level. Tetris, I was never, I was, it's not that I wasn't into it. I just don't really play that as much. But, you know, games like um, Pac-Man, Miss Pac-Man, Contra, um, Galaga, all that stuff. I'm definitely OG from there. Um, but when it comes to me, it's like I, I can, I, I get really well, I, I'm very well adapt, well adapt to, you know, different games. I can just pick it up real easily and just, you know, just play and dominate on it. Prodigy there? Yeah, oh wow. We just yeah, lost each other for a second I, don't, I don't know what happened to Witch. He's still on the line, but I just wanted to make sure we didn't lose you. Oh no, I'm here. Sounds like another problem with Blog Talk Radio. Uh give us a second here. Sure, sounds good. How about, how about now? Is it working now? Yeah, I can hear you now. Yeah, Loud I can hear you now. All right, I had to actually mute and unmute the mic because this switchboard has still got a couple of bugs in it. I'm testing a, a new switchboard, which will soon become a permanent switchboard. So, excuse, uh, pardon the hiccups. <laughs> <laughs> it's all good. But um, as um, like I said, yeah, Cash from the chat asked, are there any games you just play for fun, just just to veg out, not you know, not Guitar Hero to warm up your reflexes or. But just for fun, completely non-work related. Um. Oh yeah, definitely. Uh, I actually like, for, uh, for example, Transformers. I bought that for fun. Uh, I literally bought a Raptor box. I saw a trailer for it, and I thought it's pretty badass. So I picked it up, and I live stream it, and a few other Gears pros um, watch me play, it, and they're gonna pick it up too because they said it was fun. So I picked that up. I'm playing Fear Three at the moment. I just beat it last night with a friend of mine on co-op on live stream. So I'm, when it comes to live stream, I just like a lot of gamers just love watching other gamers play, you know, especially someone who's well-known or, you know, they're good friends or they're fans of, you know, and that's definitely what I love to do. It's great. Um, so I definitely, any any other game, like Gears of War is definitely one of the games, you know, uh, I've been playing for the longest, and uh, that's why I sit by it as like a, a competitive game for me, and that's why I'm going to take Gears of War 3 very seriously. Um, when it comes out, because I I was one of the first um, gamer in the world to play on the beta. I was really early in the beta. We're talking about maybe two, three weeks before it went public. Um, oh, and so from, yeah, I'm really good friends with people from Epic, um, Cliffy and Cliffy B. Uh, oh my God, Rackzilla. There we go. iFlag. All these people there are part of Epic. And they, um, Cliffy jumped me on a beta, and I had a blast. This is like the perfect Gears of War um, game that ever came out. So I'm going to take it real seriously. And then from there, I started, you know, working with games. And now I'm going to be doing so much uh, for this year uh, for Gears of War and the community. That's why 
I just recently um, announced that I'm part of Gears Up, which is uh, an official competitor live stream website. That uh, I have a couple of them right now on the chat, you know, um, letting everyone know about it. And pretty much, it's like a whole new thing for me right now because I always wanted to be part of a really good community that um, with my favorite game on. So now I'm part with Gears Up, um, and we're going to be doing a ton of stuff this summer and throughout the, the time when Gears of War 3 launches. And actually, we're doing something big this weekend uh, for charity uh, for the Gear, for Gears of War 2. And we're going to be doing some stuff for them this weekend that we're posting up right now. Nice. I saw I saw that they had posted a uh, a PDF yeah. talking about it. Yeah, basically well, it's. Uh, I mean, we have like a whole <laughs> we have like a whole list of things that we're about to do when it comes to uh, you know entertainment purpose for the for the live stream. It's going to be really good stuff. We have SFX involved as well. Um, G these guys are all going to be involved. So it's going to be a good weekend. Oh, that's awesome, man! It's it's great to see. You know, what when I whenever I hear the gaming community involved in charity, it's always good. Only because you know, just sometimes we get a lot of negative stigma just based on our interests. So it's always good for that. You know, I got to applaud you for doing that. Yeah, like um, well, here's the thing. There's a, you know, you have the Halo community and the StarCraft. Those are so huge, and you know, Gears Two has been out for for the longest, and you know, the community was going up and down at this point. But they're bringing it back up, you know, loud and clear because Gears of War 3 is coming out, and people are super excited for it, especially the Gears fan in the community. So this is a good time to stay connected and get together and, you know, get a lot of content and, you know, build that community, uh, build, like, build that community up and, you know, make things happen from there on. So I'm really excited to work with them and, you know, get things going with them because we have a lot that we're about to present uh, over the next couple of months. Um, what once the the game launches, so it's definitely gonna be awesome. Well, well, in in referencing that and the launching of of Gears Three, I know that you recently attended E3. Um, that you were saying that it was what your third E3 event now. Yeah, third or fourth. I actually really don't remember, but yeah, around that number. How's that? You know, how's that experience going in as a gamer? Not not so much as going in as a as a member of the press or anything else, but just going in as a gamer. Do you, you know, do you go crazy just off the fact that there's so many games that you can get your hands on first, or do you just try and go in there and say, hey, this is work. Let me work first before I start messing with all this other stuff. Like, right. you know, how much discipline involved with that? Actually, um, this is this E3 was my like I worked so hard in this E3 it was insane like this this E3 was ridiculous. Um, it's only because this was we had a booth for games and um, also we were sharing booth with Sharkoon, which is another company I'm sponsored by, which is a headset, uh, which is a headset company. Um, from there, we just had so many uh, meetings and interviews and a lot of connection with other companies that were there, such as Microsoft, Epic, uh, Ubisoft, um, EA. We have all this stuff that's going out for them. We're, we have a lot that we're going to be doing that we're going to be working and together, basically, from there. And like I said, I had my other good uh, gamer friends that I had, and most of them were pro players. Uh, we had Callie North, who was a uh, gal who was a Gears of War pro player. He helped me out there. We had a Absoluta, who's my teammate for life, he's also a live streamer, and um, 
we just pretty much went out and started showing everyone what, what the product can do, the games product. We would play it outside. We were played in different areas in E3, and people were like, what are you guys doing? They checked it out, and they see, like, holy crap, you're playing your Xbox on this suitcase. So that's one of the marketing strategies that we were doing at E3, and it just worked so well. So we got so many hits off of that. And uh, have you seen the video that we did for the E3? Have you checked no, that out? I haven't seen the video for that. The only thing I saw was the stuff you were doing for games and a lot of the, the photos from the event. I haven't seen any videos from E3 other than game trailers. Um, let me see. I'll, I'll link that up to you right now. But basically you see um, me uh, in games just, you know, just rocking it out there, just, you know, taking over E3, I should say. And we were at the Microsoft party, the Gears of War party. Um, the Fragile Party, we were everywhere. Like, people were just going ape. They were going, like, crazy for the for the game stuff. And, you know, who, who's going to complain about that? It was just unbelievable. Like, this E3 was, was fantastic, but it was a lot of hard work. But it was definitely all worth it. Well, that's that's one thing, you know, just, just following the, the competitive gaming scene now and, and educating our listeners on it. I start seeing the amount of hard work that goes into it. Even, you know, I know you were, you were listening when we did the, the panel a couple of weeks back with Unveil and Robski and Golden Boy, just about how much work goes into it. And I know that especially you, you're trying to market yourself as a brand and working with all these companies. I'm I'm sure at some point it's just, you, you run out of hours in the day and I'm sure you probably tap out at least once or twice and fall over just because of so much work into just being your own hype machine, you know? Yeah, it's unreal, but it's that's only the beginning. I mean, there's something, there's a big project that I'm I'm working on right now. We're talking about Hollywood type of project. There's going to be a uh, a big motion picture movie coming out about professional gaming, and it's called Noobs, and it's uh, it's a big movie. We're talking about big budget, um, going to be in the movie theaters, all that stuff. So. And we're talking about big celebrities, probably like Dane Cook, Seth Green, female from uh, Paramore. Uh, these are going to be the actors are gonna, um, for the movie, and I'm going to be part of it as well. So this is only expanding more of my brand and, you know, um, for the whole gaming scene and the competitive scene and whatnot. This is going to exploit more and expose, expose more pro gaming and people who have not recognized uh, what pro gaming is and whatnot, they, they're going to see this movie and, you know, they're going to truly understand, you know, this is a really serious deal and that people, like the casual people can actually watch this and, and enjoy competitive gaming. Well, that's that's one thing I had I had mentioned before. It's just the fact that there's so much of a of a negative stigma only because certain personalities, just like any other interest or any other sport, kind of portray themselves negatively and as such they cast a a cloud over that particular genre. I mean, when I spoke to to these guys a couple of weeks back, I was talking about that because even a lot of our listeners who 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 are, you know, I I would call them hardcore gamers, they had a a, a really different different opinion about competitive gaming based on the fact that there are a lot of these guys they go and you know, they talk a lot of shit and they market themselves like, oh yeah, I'm I'm great and I can't be beat and there's more to it than that. I have to like oh, I said, I, I I applaud you for staying for staying humble, man. You know, that's a that that's that's a huge upside to help move competitive gaming forward. 
Yeah, like um, all, all the stuff that's coming towards me, I'm going to bring it back to the to the, the community I'm part of now, which is in the, the Gears of War community. That's why, you know, I'm doing big things with Gears Up. Uh, another community that's part of, you know, the whole Gears community is called Gal Nation. I'm going to be doing some major stuff with them. You know, we're all connected together. We're all pushing that community. And, you know, just to get together, all the casual people, they don't need to be, like, so in a corner or just, like, you know, they could be big fans of Gears of War but they can start talking to us in the forums, you know, and join our live stream and play with the pros and get connected. So when we're at events, we do things like a meetup group or, you know, anything like that because one meetup group happened at E3, and it was so successful. We had a a Gears of War meetup um, that was created by G-Con, and um, they have a uh, a Twitter as well. I hope someone can, like, put their Twitter up. But um, they created a meetup, and you had Carl O'Farrell there, who was the voice of Dom in Gears of War 3, or all the Gears of War franchise. You had people from Epic Games were there as well, so it was just for the fans, and it was such a blast. And we had games there as well, the G155 we had as well, we were doing a tournament. So, I mean, like, all this stuff was just all put together, and we just made a lot of fans happy, it was great. But one, one thing I heard, and it was funny, because... Um you know, Steve, Steve from Balls from Unveil mentioned it to me is that, you know, you have no problem going into a tournament and, you know, putting in a 12 hour day just playing against random people that want to play you. Um, I actually wanted to ask you about that experience because one of the things you've said is that you can pick up a game and, and you know, you'll, you'll master the game relatively quickly. How, how does that work, especially when you're playing, you know, just, just regular average Joes? Huh? How many how many instances has it been where people actually, you know, they just get frustrated playing you? Is that something that happens often, or is it just the fact that, you know, it ha- you, you help them become better players? You know, how does that experience work, especially at events where you're dealing just with more so the general public and not the competitive level? Um, that's actually a good question from there. Um, I created this new online tournament, which is called The Grid. It's actually a multi-genre tournament which has, like, multiple different games you have to compete in, you know, and the more you and the more you win on it, um, the more you, you know, you gain ranks and whatnot. So I have this one player who is, whose name is Sam. Gamer tag is Case for Emergency, and basically he has been around my whole scene, you know, for the long since after the show. He was, he's, he, he was a fan before, but now he's became a really good friend with me. And from there, he watched my stream, he watched, my, he checks up on Facebook and Twitter, and not in a stalky way, he was very inspired by the things I've done. Um, and so from there, uh, during the whole grid stuff, he wants to jump on that. So he started buying a few of the games that was on the grid, like Gears of War, um, Split Second, uh, Street Fighter. So remember, it's different genres, so we had different, we had different, we had fighting games, we had shooters, racing, puzzle, all that stuff. He picked up all those games and pretty much got inspired by what I do, started learning them at a fast rate, started competing against on the grid, and he's doing really well. These are the things that I wanted to see because he needed – he was such a really well player, you know, and from there I give him the spotlight. I give him that royalty treatment to let him know that Case is one of those players that's going to get out there and he's going to do damage. So that inspires him to get out there, and he started going to tournaments, and now he's doing his thing in the Call of Duty – you know, and from there, you know, he's going to start trying to make that money and try to get out there. So one of my main goals is to to get people noticed from their talents. 
And I'm very starstruck when it comes to talented people. I'm not much celebrity-wise. Anyone's incredibly talented at anything, I'm very starstruck on. Because talent, it's like, you know, you do it with practice and, you know, you put time and dedication. I'm just very wow by everything, you know, whatever they do and whatnot. So I, I want to get these guys out there, and that's why, you know, the stuff that um, that's going on with me, you know, I'm going to make these happen for everyone else because I can do that. And, you know, it's from the, wherever people call me selfish or any of that, like, it really doesn't matter because I'm going to still continue what I need to do. And once I'm out there, you know, I'm going to get everyone else involved because they can do that at this point. Well, that's that's one thing, you know, based on, on what you're telling me and, and some of the stuff I've seen you working on, you are paying it forward and giving back to the gaming community. And um, it's it's funny you mentioned Street Fighter and The Grid because we have, a, you know, a lot of our listeners play Street Fighter. And um, I know that um, I've seen a lot of a lot of players as of late, especially with a lot of live stream um you know, just it's gotten to a point where I don't want to say it's become catty, but it, you know, just like the Street Fighter scene, I, I seen it's kind of become more of a of a celebrity based um, genre. And I actually wanted to ask you about that because are you seeing a trend now, especially with the with the resurgence of the fighting genre with games like you know Tekken X Street Fighter, Street Fighter X Tekken, Soul Calibur, and all that? Are you, do you think that the that the fighting game scene in general is going to get to that level of prominence where it was, where it was just quality players and just an all-around good vibe. Yeah, I know what you. I know exactly what you mean on that. Um, I think it's because there are so many tournaments at this point for fighting games. It's ridiculous. We only have like MLG um, for like shooters for Halo and Call of Duty, but you barely see it anywhere else. Maybe like at another event out of like every three months, but. Fighting games has been um, has been really been pushed out because there's so many been been made at this point. Uh, so many updates like Super from from Street Fighter 4, then Super, then Arcade Edition. Like they know they know how to keep it going from there, and it's like they're paying money for these events like Evo, and then you know you have events from Level Up Series, which is another tournament. Um, I play winner which is another event that goes down, and then stuff that goes down in New York City. Like, there's so many, like, uh, and, and streamers. You know, it's very, it's a very hardcore um, uh, community because they're very aggressive towards each other, and they want to see who comes out the best. So they just love to see that. They love to Fighting game has always been a big hype, and it's just taken over. But that's why, you know, it's definitely good. It's good for the whole pro gaming scene. And, you know, people who are watching football can actually go on the PC and look up Just Not TV and see these other com- competitive games, like for fighting games. And then it starts becoming really entertaining for them. So it, it's very, to, to be really honest with you, fighting games are really entertaining for me. Um, I actually enjoy watching the, the players go against each other on that because it's very hyped up. And, you know, I'm always about, you know, it's all, I'm always about that moment. But uh, other than that, yeah, it's it's actually doing really well, and there's a definite um, fan trend, a huge celeb trend when it comes to that. But um, that's why at this point, you know, shooters need to step their game up. That's why you see things like Gears Up, what we're doing right now, Gal Nation. That's why you're seeing all that. We're trying to push it to the limit. We're trying to make things up. We're we're, we're going to try to make, uh, not actually, you know what, not try. We're going to do all this stuff that's going to go down. Um, you know, make these happen. We're going to try to create a lot of events for the Gears of War game. 
uh, tournaments, exclusive stuff, you know, the whole nine yards, especially when this movie is going to be out because this movie is going to feature Gears of War 3, um, the news movie that I was talking about. Um, so once that movie is out, once Gears of War 3 comes out and then Gears Up and all this stuff is going to happen, like, we're just going to push that out. Hopefully we're going to create a new trend and, and just that's going to be the next big thing out there. Well, you you know, with re- with regards to that and you talking about now the movie and Gears 3, um, it, just in regards to, uh, obviously, Ge- Gears 3 was, was one of the bigger things. What other genre do you feel is on the cusp and just requires that extra push? We know that FPS with, with Gears and Halo ha- have reached that level. What other genre would you like to see at that level of, of prominence where competitive gameplay becomes the norm? Obviously, the fight. Yeah, I would definitely like to see racing. Racing is actually, like, I love racing, and that's actually one of my favorite genres uh, um, in gaming. I would definitely like to see some racing going down um, for that, especially the ones that are, you know, the new ones that are coming out, because uh, games like Split Second and Blur, like, it requires, like, elements to, you know, to distract other other players. And, you know, you can use buildings to collide and, all this crazy stuff, like it's it's just entertainment, and that's what that's that's what it comes down to. If it's entertaining and it's fun, and you know it's it's a big hype, you just need that you just need that community. You you just need all that people to hype everything up, promotion, and you know that's how you get things going. So definitely racing is one of the things that I would love to see to um, to see out there for sure. Note to self, I cannot do this whole show with Google Voice. Because <laughs> they just decided, oh, you've been on the phone for too long. Fuck you. And they hung up on me. But um, I don't know if you caught the tail end of the question I had asked you. Oh, I didn't. Um, what I had asked was, is there is, is there another genre other than FPS and fighting games that you'd oh, yeah. like to see on that level, oh. on that cusp? Um, yeah, definitely, uh, racing. Racing is definitely, uh, one of the, which is one of my favorite, uh, genres in the gaming. Uh, we'll definitely have to see there because, uh, I think racing is all about competitive. It's all about whoever reaches first place and, you know, doing the whole collision and whatnot. I mean, it, it's, if you ask me, it's definitely an entertainment type of game. They had Project Out Racing before on WCG, and that was really, that went really well, but then the whole racing scene had, dimmed down because not many card games were really competitive nor fun. But if you see games like Split Second, which is like a Michael Bay version of racing, um, you, you have to use your elements um, for to, to have buildings collide on your enemies or just anything that's destructive that blows up your car. Like, all that's entertainment. And you need entertainment to get those viewers. So, I mean, I would definitely love to see racing to be involved out there, for sure. Oh, and speaking of that... Um, that's why I'm glad Twisted Metal is coming out, and I'm going to be all up on that, because that was actually one of my favorite games of all time, and it was really competitive, so hopefully I can push that out there to become a competitive scene and make it happen. Yeah, I was a, I was a fan of, Twi- of Twisted Metal Black. Uh, that was one of my favorite Twisted Metal games. I actually also played Split Second, and I remember catching one of your live streams. I played it for a little bit, and I think that it was one of the few racing games that 
that went into that level of just being different. I mean, I'm a huge fan of the Burnout series for that reason. I even liked, um, you know, even Gran Turismo to an extent, but then it started getting a little too um, big on itself. I, I actually like more the arcade racing games that look to set themselves apart from everybody else. That's one thing that I liked with Split Second. I, You know, Need for Speed Hot Pursuit was another favorite of mine for that reason. Right. Yeah, it's... Um... I mean, racing has been out of the loop, out of the loop for a while now. But um, other than that, it's what I'm just pretty much excited right now is just Gears of War and Twisted Metal, um, Battlefield 3. These are definitely the games that I'm going to be looking forward to for this year. Um, one one last question I had: How do you feel about the, um, you know, things like the Connect, motion control, and 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 things moving in that direction to capture more of the of the casual audience. Do you think that things of that can be applied down the road to, you know, the competitive gaming or even the quote unquote hardcore gaming genre? Do you feel that those are advancements that would benefit down the road? Oh yeah. There's, there's a whole future of, of pro gaming within the next couple of years. Um, I mean, like I, I'm sure there's going to be like 3d pro gaming where we're going to be playing in 3d or especially connect. I love connect. You see games like dance central. It, Whatever, what games reminds you of that? Like Dance Dance Revolution, and that was huge for competition. So, and that's a good thing because people who see Dance Intro, like, and I see from a lot of people's um, point of view that you know they're kind of overweight and whatnot, and they see that game, and it's a video game, so they would jump on that. They'd be like, you know, I want to do this. So you're gonna have a lot of good, healthy people that's gonna be coming around in the uh, upcoming couple of years. They're going to be playing Dance Central 2. They're going to be playing um, Connect Sports 2. And, you know, they're going to get on it because it's just so fun. You're interacting without a controller. Uh, it's it's just all about fun and creativity and, you know, having a blast, uh, inviting your friends over, you know, playing some rock band, playing some uh, Connect games. It's just it's going to be fantastic. And then from there, people are going to look at it and be like, well, does this grab a lot, a lot of viewers? Do you think people are going to be entertained watching people dance? having to dance off against each other, of course. So it's going to be, I, I think it's definitely going to, pro game is going to definitely evolve with, with all this stuff, for sure. Hey, man, I, um, I'm really I'm really looking forward to just seeing those advancements on, on a bigger stage. And like I said, I got to applaud you for all the work you're putting in. You know, you're, you're, you got a, a, tireless, a tireless work rate, and I'm glad to see that you're doing the best you can to bring the genre forward, man. I got to applaud you. Thank you. I appreciate it. It's, you know, this is my passion, and I'm going to continue for the long run. And, you know, just making things happen, like, to a point where once I make all that money, a lot of money, I want to build, a, a, like, a mansion for, for gamers. Like, gamers that are good friends of mine, and, you know, for them to invite and just game on, like, have a blast, you know, for them. And just, you know, I'm a very social person. I like to be interactive with other people, so especially on video games. So that's why... You know, just anything for them, anything for, anything for video games. It's just that's just my thing for sure. Cool, man. Well, you know, we, we, I think I think we've covered everything. And um, before I let you go, of course, feel free to to shout out your sponsors and plug whoever you need to plug as well. Oh yeah, um, I would definitely like to say uh, thanks to uh, Games for definitely bringing me along and uh, making things happen for me, and you know the upcoming stuff that we have in the future. Definitely uh, my teammate, Absoluta, which is, uh, he's actually, he has his own live stream, so TV slash 
absolutely, you can check him out. Um, we both run the grid tournaments. Um, definitely gears up for picking me up on on board with their competitive uh, stream. Um, these guys are making it happen for the Gears of War community, so I'm really honored and really excited to be a part with them. Um, Unveiled Gaming for always being a true sponsor and always there for the dedication for what I have to do. So thanks, Kaz. You know, you're always there for me, buddy. Um, by the way, me and Kaz, we go way back. We used to be in a band. That's why, you know, him being in the whole gaming scene and the industry is fantastic. So uh, we have some a lot of business and a lot of things we need to get done. So it's great. Um, definitely people from Epic Games, thank you for all the support, for the Gears of War stuff that's been going on, for, you know, for me to be a part of. G-Con, you guys are amazing. Keep up with the good work. Uh, Sharkoon Headset, thank you all for the support. Um, uh, and all the Gears pros, definitely. You guys are awesome. Like I'm, uh, with these guys, they're they're, they're going to make things happen. Um, you know, like Cali North and Guy Blaze, Vicious, all these guys, Terror, uh, everyone that's part of the Gears Up. So there you go. Um, well, I just want to say, you know, thanks for taking the time for coming through. I I do check your live stream, so you know I I do pop in there. I don't go in and blow it up on the chat, but I do see you, you know, getting it on. And you actually got me motivated to play the the Transformers game. So I may I may need to check that out. I'm putting in some work on the stealth missions, so I uh, I appreciated that. <laughs> yeah, man, it's it's totally fun. You truly enjoy it. It's like it's like the ultimate robot fighting game, if you ask me. Like it's really fun. Everyone seems to like it, so. Yeah, I played I played War for Cybertron, which was one of my favorite games. So it, it looked very oh, you're similar love to that. Then. All right, cool. Yeah, that's what everyone's saying because I never played that one, but then people were telling me it's kind of like that, but a little bit faster. So it's good stuff. All right. Um, one other thing is um, your social. Any other social networks besides uh, Twitter that people can look you up on? Um, you guys can definitely search me up on Twitter, uh, games underscore prodigy underscore X. My Facebook, I do a lot of updates on Facebook as well. Um, if you want to search me, just type in Robert Paz. I'll type that in right now. Pretty much should be easy for you guys. Um, I do a lot of update, updates there. Also, make sure you guys check out uh, the Noobs Moving. They got some stuff going on their website and on YouTube. Uh, this is a pretty big deal for for gamers because uh, it's going to be the first official official pro gaming movie. Uh, basically, basically about um, four competitive players going uh, taking a trip down to the Gears of War Championship to to become pro players, and it's a dark comedy. So think of Grandma's Boy. I don't know if you ever seen yeah. Grandma's Boy, but it, yeah, it's going to be pretty That's much something like that. What's up? That's one of my favorite movies, man. So oh, you're gonna love this one. And the guy, the guy that directed this movie um, for the noobs is Blake Freeman. So he, he already has a movie coming out for this summer, but he's on pre-production for this movie, uh, Noobs. So he he wrote the script really well. I think it's hilarious. So I'm 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 so happy to be a part of it, and it's just you know the whole pro game is just gonna expand a lot more. So I can't wait. That's what's up, man. Well, you know what? You know we're gonna try our best to to keep our listeners informed of what's going on with the pro gaming circuit and you know how they can partake in it and also some of these upcoming projects. 
So, you know, by by all means, you got an open door invite. I, I appreciate you taking the time coming through and educating us not only on what you do, but just giving us a little bit of insight into you as, a, as, a, as an individual. So I appreciate that. Yeah, definitely. Uh, thank you for um, for letting me jump onto this interview. This is great. Uh, this is uh, I haven't done this one in a while, so this is perfect. And I've always I've jumped in um, to your uh, to your radio a few times, and I loved it. So definitely appreciate it. No doubt, man. All right, brother. Take care of yourself, and uh, we'll keep in touch. Sounds good. Talk to you soon. Bye, right, brother. Later. <laughs> Bye. All right. That was Prodigy. You can follow him on Twitter. It's games underscore Prodigy X. Uh, when we do our MTR Rewind this week, I will make sure to put all the links for um, both of our guests there. You know, Bloodstain Lane and Team Takeover, Prodigy for games, and also for his work on Justin TV. You can check out his live streams there. So, again, thanks to Prodigy for coming on. And um, shout out to Bloodstain Lane also for coming on. Let me just run through some of this wrestling stuff. Um, I was talking about Raw before uh, I started the interview, and I was talking about Dolph Ziggler and Kofi Kingston. Uh, like I said, very great match between two promising young talents. Very impressed with that. I am going to skip a lot of shit on Raw because, like I said, you guys all know what happened. But one thing I wanted to talk about was CM Punk announcing that he plans to win the title at Money in the Bank because J July 17th is the last day of his contract. His contract is expiring, and he is going to be leaving WWE, and his intention is to take the belt with him. Now, I don't know if this is being done to set up the WWE brand split to be done and the WWE only having one belt or, you know, from a storyline standpoint, or if it's just legitimately CM Punk is leaving and... You know, he wants to go out on top. I think that CM Punk leaving the organization is a big blow to WWE only because of his strong promo work. He's a fantastic heel. He has great chemistry with a lot of the wrestlers that he works with. So I'm very impressed with, you know, just with the way he's carried himself during his time in the WWE. It sucks to see him go out that way just because... He's provided so much, and I think that CM Punk has just barely scratched the surface of his WWE career. I think that definitely the angles and the writing that he's been involved in have hindered him a lot, and it's definitely fucked it up for him just in his run, and I think that's part of the reason why he's so disillusioned. But I am bummed to hear about that. So whatever happens July 17th at the Money in the Bank pay-per-view um mm. You know, I wish CM Punk the best, and whatever organization he goes to, I'm going to follow him. I am uh, I'm just a, a fan, and I'm bummed. Like I said, I've followed his, his work from Ring of Honor to TNA when he was with Raven to WWE, and he's just always been such a great, entertaining performer that to see him actively decide that he wants to walk away from it for now is, is definitely... A, it takes brass balls to do, and I applaud him for it, but as a fan, I'm a little bummed. So whatever happens with CM Punk, man, you know, I'll always be a fan of his. Um, I would go into the WWE Capital Punishment pay-per-view, but I just realized we have like 40 minutes of show left. So you guys can read that shit online, and that's that. <laughs> you guys know that 
all the right people got belts, all the all the wrong people didn't. That's how it is. I'm not going to go into it because, like I said, 40 minutes of show left. I'm going to take a commercial break. When we get back, we're going to wrap it up with video games and movies right after this. I wonder what's on tonight, even. Tonight at 10 on your local news. I said to Jesus, Jesus, can you say this is the deal of the century, people? I'm telling you. So, Jason, uh, what, what, I mean, what, what are we doing tonight, tumbling with tumbleweed, Tuesday nights at 10 p.m., blogtalkradio.com, Eastern Standard Time? Do you even know? Jason? Jason, are you there? All right, let's talk some video games. A lot of video game news for the summer, and I'll be 100% honest with you guys, always get completely light because it's it's that really huge lull in the industry. As always, I'll try and give you guys the better part of the news. I'm not going to give you all the fluff bullshit, but you will see the game segment be a little short in the coming weeks just because there's not a lot of shit going on out there. But with that said, let's get into the meat and potatoes of the video games this week. First off, L.A. Noir actually, I, re- I talked about them when we went through the MPD last week. Um, we actually got some sales numbers for them from MarketWatch. L.A. Noir sold 899,000 units during its first month of sales, which, of course, guaranteed it the number one spot on the MPD report. But they also made a point to note that Red Dead Redemption, which came out during the same month last year, sold 1.5 million units in its first month. So while it is a, a huge victory for L.A. Noir, I think that, you know, it, it, the, the game just appeals to a different type of genre Me, personally, I do want to play the game, but it wasn't on that level of Red Dead or GTA where I went out of my way to play it. Right now, I have it in my Gamefly queue. I want to play it, but um, personally, I think for for, for now, the numbers are are, and the praise are well worth it, but I can't sit here and tell you guys it's a kick-ass game because I personally haven't played it, and it'd be a disservice to bullshit you guys telling you, oh, L.A. Noir is fucking awesome because I haven't played the shit. So, once I play it, I'll let you guys know my thoughts. Another reason that's been attributed to the game not doing so well is the second map pack of Call of Duty Black Ops released in early May, which could have been a factor in the game not having the number of sales that Red Dead Redemption had. I personally call bullshit on that because it's just downloadable content, and this is a completely new game being released with a completely new style of play. So I just think that the game came out and it just, not everybody ran to buy it like Red Dead Redemption. Not to say that the game didn't have strong advertising and strong marketing behind it, but I think it could have been better in terms of promoting it and getting it into more hands. But 899,000 units is nothing to laugh at. In some Mass Effect news, which are going to probably be picking up steam as the game gets closer to release, both Eurogamer and CVG are reporting that Mass Effect 3 will be getting a four-player co-op mode. Right now, the rumors are from a ton of anonymous sources, but they're saying that a handful of co-op missions will interact with the main story. But there are no details as of yet explaining how that's going to happen. So, 
four player co-op mode for Mass Effect. I think that um a lot of the play, uh, the Mass Effect players that listen to the show are going to be very happy about that. I do hope it happens. I think Mass Effect would benefit from a little multiplayer action even if it's just co-op mode. I think that it it would be interesting to see how that gets put out there and how and how many gamers embrace it. So I'll be keeping an eye on this rumor and keeping you guys informed if I hear more. In some other news, GameSpot is reporting that Microsoft Studios is going to be adding Connect functionality to the Halo anniversary release. According to um, a quote taken from, from Phil Spencer, they said the game will be one of many that will be better with Connect. He also stated the following, as a first party, we believe that Connect will be important to all genres of games. Even games like Halo Anniversary have Connect integration. He didn't elaborate on what that integration would be, but if it proves true, the game is going to join titles like Ghost Recon Future Soldier and Mass Effect 3 that will utilize Connect functionality. In some other gaming news, Portal 2 has sold 3 million copies since launch across all platforms. By comparison, the first game sold 4 million copies, not counting Steam sales since launch. I think one of the reasons that Portal 2 is kind of not eclipsed the 4 million copy mark is because a lot of people have been saying to me that the game is very, very quick and very easy to complete. So people are playing the game and not holding on to it, and probably that's one of the reasons why others aren't jumping on it. I personally like the Portal series. It's very enjoyable. I haven't played two. I actually played one when it came in the orange box, and I thought it was a very intriguing and unique type of game. So I do want to get to two. I have so many games in plastic still. I mean, I'm trying to finish up Dante's Inferno. I still got to go through Splatterhouse. So I'm a little backed up, folks, but that's what happens. You got a job. You got to do all the stuff for the show. You you lose track of, you know, games. But rest assured, I will try and play some of these games a lot sooner rather than later. In some news that I'm sure are going to make Slick happy and a lot of the listeners in the chat, Mrs. Explosion Man has finally been given a release date. The game will be launching on July 13th as part of Microsoft's Xbox Live Summer of Arcade promotion. The game will feature the gameplay that we all know and love, plus a whole bunch of new jokes and 50 new levels. So you'll be able to get your hands on that July 13th. Last but not least, to close out the video game segment, the next uh, downloadable content pack for Fallout New Vegas will be coming out July 19th. Um, It was supposed to have been out in June, but it did miss the deadline. It's going to be titled Old World Blues. You're going to get trapped in somebody's science experiment gone wrong, and the content is also going to include robotic rad scorpions. Of course, before it releases, Bethesda is going to release a title update to the game that will improve stability in major areas and also increase performance. So, with that said, Fallout fans, you'll be able to get your hands on some DLC July 19th. All right, that's actually going to wrap up the video game segment. We're going to get into some movie news. No more commercial breaks for the moment. Let's get it started. Let's open it up with some sequel news first. Of course, 
Percy Jackson and the Olympians was based on a book, which has a couple of volumes behind it. And I think that the Percy Jackson's the Percy Jackson film actually had a very lukewarm response. But guess what's happening? They will be doing a sequel to Percy Jackson and the Olympians. Um, it's going to be directed by a uh, Thor. Frudenthal, who did the Diary of a Wimp, uh, Diary of a Wimpy Kid, he's going to be replacing Chris Columbus. The film is going to draw most of the inspiration from the second book of the series, The Sea of Monsters, as well as a couple of other adventures, and you can expect that in 2012. Now, in news that may come as a shock to a lot of you, um, 3D ticket movies, well, 3D ticket sales and 3D movies in general are starting to seriously sag. According to The Hollywood Reporter, 3D ticket sales are on the downturn. The site reports that 2D ticket sales on Fandango for Green Lantern and the Harry Potter and Deathly Hallows Part 2 are selling better than 3D, uh, 3D incarnations of these films, which is a rarity and notes a trend in movie-going habits over the last several months. We continue to believe U.S. consumers are frustrated with the amount of 3D movies Hollywood is producing. No shit especially with co when combined with excessive ticket prices, said Richard Greenfield, an analyst for BTIG Research. In addition, we suspect the darkness of 3D is starting to impact movie satisfaction. First off, let me explain something. 3D films aren't the problem. The problem is that every fucking movie is in 3D. Let's be honest. No, you know, you don't need to see a film like Thor in 3D. I watched Thor in 2D. There was maybe one or two, one or two, uh, one or two scenes that required 3D. I was, I was completely shocked that for a film that was released in 3D, there weren't any more sequences that required it. Same thing with some of these other movies that are coming out. Green Lantern. I, I think that the effects probably would fit in with 3D, but it's not something that can be enjoyed in 3D on a level like, I don't know, Resident Evil 3D. Resident Evil 3D was filmed with the intention of it using the 3D genre, you know, the 3D functionality the most. I noticed it on the Blu-ray when I saw it, and I actually got to see a little bit of it in 3D Blu-ray, and I said to myself, this was a movie that was made just to capitalize on 3D. And you know what's happening? People are getting sick of of it completely sick of the fact that they got to pay 20 bucks and the 3d isn't even applicable i for one am one of those people clash of the titans is a great example of a movie not requiring 3d then 3d being forced on it in post-production and the movie just looking like shit in 3d but i'm sure that slick will have his take on it and i know he's on the line let me bring him on real quick slick what's going on buddy What's up, man? I don't know, dude. People are getting tired of this 3D shit, and I know that you, as a as as a you know a box office as a guy who puts a lot of money into the box office, you probably are agreeing that the trend is slowly fading into obscurity. Well, I think people are finally starting to notice what I've been saying for a long time that 3D is just a fucking gimmick. I mean, you mentioned Green Lantern, which I watched last week. The effects themselves were great, but the 3D just, it just wasn't. It's like 
you mentioned Resident Evil. The movie was shot in 3D. The effects actually worked in 3D. It's like, as you know, the the movie was what it was, but the you know the special effects looked like they needed to be in 3D. Green Lantern, the 3D, you could tell it was done in post production. It was a complete afterthought. I mean, at certain points in the movie, I was like, hold on a minute. And I took off my glasses. And you know how where it says, you get that screen that says, please put on your 3D glasses. You can tell you need to do it because the screen's blurry. I took off my glasses. The screen wasn't blurry. The whole movie's not even in 3D. Well, then, see, that's that's something that, uh, look, the Avatar film started that trend. But before anybody, not even talking about the the validity of whether Avatar was good or not, but just in regards to the technology used, you know, James Cameron filmed that movie in in that 3D style, and it was a masterpiece, and it was masterfully done, because the 3D wasn't in your face. It was it was it was subtle, but it was something that you can appreciate because it was art. There's no necessity why I need to see Piranha in 3D. I mean, don't get me wrong; it was amusing to see in 3D, and I know you watched it as such. But that's not a film that you need to see in 3D. That's that like that's like me telling you, "Hey, I'm gonna re-release Malcolm X in 3D," just because I Actually, fucking Piranha can't. you did need to see in 3D. It was that it was it's an awful movie. But it's like a guilty pleasure. That movie right. you need to see in 3D. Right. I, I no. I, I see what you're saying, but that goes back to what I said with Resident Evil. It was filmed for the purpose of utilizing 3D. Now let's just for a minute strip out 3D in in general and not say that 3D needed to be used. Would anybody have given as much of a fuck about Piranha had it not been in 3D and had just been a regular 2D flick? It probably would have done the same business because it would have drawn the same crowd. But that could be said right. for any of these movies. Even the movies that actually look good in 3D, like two off the top of my head, Resident Evil, I'll give Avatar its credit, shit that it is, and um, Despicable Me. Three movies off the top of my head that actually made good use of 3D. Uh, yes, I forgot about were only in 2D, would it have made any damn difference? No. You're right. Would Avatar have been any less beautiful? No. Probably not. But I think that, see, what James Cameron did was he used a a, a more, put it like this, he was was forward-thinking in using this brand-new technology and making it look beautiful. The, The funny thing about Avatar is that artistically it used the 3D in a, in a, in a medium that just was nice for the film. You know what I'm saying? Like, it just worked with that film. Same thing. You, you look at other movies, like, I had the, the privilege of seeing Ninja Assassin in the theater. That movie was done in, you know, at, at one point they said it was going to be in 3D. And it's funny because there's certain scenes in that movie, like when he's working with the chain blade, where he's throwing ninja stars where you can see that had it been in 3d it would have looked really cool but that's what i'm saying it's only applicable when you can capitalize on the strengths there's no necessity for a drama or some other bullshit to be in 3d like you look at a film you look at transformers coming out next week in 3d that movie should be should be awesome in 3d just because 
it's, it's a film that can actually take full advantage of that from Optimus Prime shooting Decepticons to, you know, Bumblebee jumping out of the screen to catch uh, two people, which you've seen in the trailer. I have a feeling that in 3D, that'll look really cool because it'll look like Bumblebee's jumping out of the screen. And that's fine. I just think that that oversaturation was going to bite Hollywood in the ass. Like, everything is in 3D that doesn't require it. There's no necessity to go see Fast Five in 3D. I can agree with that. But like I said, I can agree with that for any 3D movie. And that's the... See, you're right that Hollywood's shooting itself in the foot by oversaturating the market. Hollywood's also shooting itself in the foot by saying, yeah, it's in 3D, it's also in 2D. But they don't have a choice because the thing is, the 3D movie costs so damn much that people don't want to pay that money. So the only way they're going right. to get money is giving the 2D option, which then makes people say, why the fuck should I pay for 3D? Well, here's, a, here's another, uh, another funny thing that I've noticed as well. All these movies are being done in 3D to drive up the box office totals. And like I've always said, seeing all these movies win, you know, oh, this movie made $60 million or $80 million, it, you have to continue to factor in that those numbers require a fucking asterisk. Because it's not like the movie's just getting by on box office clout. If a lot of people are flocking to see this movie at $20 a pop, of course you're going to make a, a shitload of money. It, it's the fact that you should look at the gross for this film based on a 2D version of the box office numbers and a 3D version of the box office numbers, and you'll see that there are serious discrepancies into how these totals are looked at. Yeah. Because they're know, making man, as much or just barely more than the, the previous movie that was in 2D, which means, you know, the ticket price was less than just on a base, on a 2D base, and you're adding in the 3D cost, so the movie really didn't make that much money, did it? Nope, that's correct. Well, while I have you on the line, I, I wanted you on board for this wonderful piece of what-the-fuck movie news, because only you can help bring this up even further. You obviously know of Mad Magazine, correct? Yes, I do. All right. Deadline reports that Warner Brothers has attached Ron Howard. Now, you know Ron Howard is an Oscar an Oscar winning actor, an Oscar winning director. Ron Howard is a, is going to direct an a, an adaptation of Mad Magazine's Spy versus Spy. <laughs> I have a guilty smile on my face right now because it's probably going to be terrible, but that could be really really awesome. Let me tell you something about Spy vs. Spy. I used to read Mad Magazine just for Spy vs. Spy. I think that overall, the problem with that and, and, how, and why I call it the what-the-fuck movie news is because, it, honestly, you'd want that to be done animated or, some, or in Pixar style for it to fully embrace the humor. But you know as well as I do that they're going to try and do some live-action bullshit that is just going to sully that particular genre, you know, that particular franchise. Something like that would benefit from an animated treatment or even a Despicable Me, Shrek, you know, Pixar-style treatment. No, I think what it would benefit from would be a Roger Rabbit treatment. 
The only animated characters in the movie should be the two spies. Everything else should be live. Or you know, with the way um, the way of the Cartoon Network TV show Gumball, where you have you know animated characters over live backgrounds, and I think the movie could be hysterical. My my concern with that is that since Roger Rabbit, I have yet to see a film do a great job of using animated and live medium. I mean, you know, Rocky and Bullwinkle tried, looked like shit. Um, cool World, I think, was the only adult, you know, adult movie that actually utilized that genre of live action and animated as well as Roger Rabbit. But if you see, you know, the Looney Tunes film with stupid-ass Brendan Fraser... And, uh, you know, Goldberg and Steve Martin, that was a steaming pile of shit because it wasn't done correctly. I, I, I do think that done correctly it would be good, but that's the problem, that the success rate for live-action animated hybrid films has been fucking shit as of late. Well, a lot of animated films have been shit as of late, too. Well, you know, it, it, uh, not to go off topic, but I got to say this to you. A lot of people have been saying that Cars 2 has been doing really poorly on Rotten Tomatoes. So I figured I'd throw that out there just in case. But, you know, I, I, don't, I don't know because the first Cars movie was, you know, I, I didn't think it was the strongest presentation, but I'm hearing that it's not performing well. So I'll just, I'll just leave you with that. <laughs> I'm kind of shocked. Yeah, exactly, as, as was I. So that's why, you know, just talking about, like, like going the animated route and stuff, I think even that is being squeezed a little too much, you know, just uh, cranking out all these, um, you know, Pixar-style animated features. Yeah, because they all of us have to read the market with that as well. Absolutely. But, I well, mean, if anybody could pull off something like that, Ron Howard could. He could. I, I, you know what it is? I think back to fucking Polar Express and what a steaming pile of monkey shit that was. And I get concerned. <laughs> you know? Polar Express was bullshit, dude. Anybody that fell for the fact that that movie was going to be great got fucking beat over the head. Even Nine. Nine, Nine was an awesome movie, but... The hype that it got and, and everybody, oh my god, it's going to be as good as The Nightmare Before Christmas. No, it's not. Nine was a good movie just because it was a good movie. It was weird. It was fucked up. It was very deep. But, you know, nine it wasn't... Shouldn't it, have been a, nine shouldn't have been a, a, what's the name, a big screen feature. Nine should have been one of those movies that Fox comes out of nowhere and says, coming Saturday, July 29th. What's nine at nine p.m. like, and it just yeah. it airs once and is never heard from again. Nine, the 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 beauty of nine as a film was that I compared it to heavy metal, that you know the, the the animated heavy metal movie because it was so weird, but yet you could not stop watching it. Like I watched it and there were parts where the movie dragged, but I just wanted to watch the entire movie because it was so weird. Yeah, I wanted it to get better, and it just didn't. There you go. Anything else to add, my friend? No, nah, I'm good with that. I'll All keep right, an honey. eye on the spy versus spy. There you go. I will definitely keep an eye out on it, and I'll let you know what's up. All right, man. Talk to you later. 
All right, man. Peace. All right. Uh, last bit of news that I want to go through. A couple of weeks back, well, I believe last week also I mentioned it, uh, Quentin Tarantino working on that movie called Django Unchained, and it was rumored that um, Will Smith was going to be playing the, the lead role opposite Christoph Waltz. Well, it was announced that Will Smith will not be playing the, ma the main character. The main character will be played by Jamie Foxx. Jamie Foxx would join Leonardo DiCaprio and Christoph Waltz in the film. The film, of course, is going to revolve around a former slave, which is Django, with, with, played by Jamie Foxx, that follows a Western bounty hunter played by Christoph Waltz with a nasty penchant for leaving his hunt dead. And uh, he purchases Django in an effort to find a particular bounty. But over the course of the film, the two characters bond, and Django convinces the bounty hunter to rescue his wife from an evil plantation owner named Candy, who will be played by Leonardo DiCaprio. Now, I'm very interested in this movie for a lot of reasons. Uh, Quentin Tarantino is known for pushing the envelope in every film he does. Pulp Fiction is a great example of that, as is Reservoir Dogs, Jackie Brown, the list goes on, even Inglorious Bastards to an extent, but... By 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 utilizing a genre, you know, doing a film that focuses on slavery is going to be very interesting only because, uh, you know, films focusing on slavery, you know that the M-bomb is going to be dropped a lot um, and, and shit's just going to be crazy. So I have a feeling that certain people will be offended by by the premise of this film just based on the fact that it's about slavery. And it's going gonna, it's gonna to probably use language and vernacular from that era that a lot of people just aren't going to be comfortable with. But you know what? If One thing I applaud Tarantino for is for pushing the envelope. And he brings out the best in all his actors. Um, I, I like what Slick said, that Spike Lee's panties are bunching already. I have a feeling that Spike Lee will be one of the first people to complain about it, only because you're bringing, you're bringing slavery to the screen and that hasn't been done in a while, so I'm sure somebody would get upset. But me personally, I'm interested in seeing it because you have such a diverse group of actors. DiCaprio, Christoph Waltz, who's solid, and um, Jay, even Jamie Foxx. I'm not a fan of a lot of Jamie Foxx's work, but I think that that going this route, it'll, he, this role can be what Pulp Fiction was to Travolta in terms of just pushing his acting capability to the max. So I'm going to be watching this with much interest, and I'm just a fan of Tarantino's work for sure. So um, as soon as I hear more, I'll let you guys know what the deal is with that. Another bit of what-the-fuck movie news, and I hadn't talked about this in a while, is the remake of the, well, the remake slash reboot of The Crow. You all know that The Crow, which was made famous by Brandon Lee, ended up having a couple of direct, uh, the, uh, one one in-theater sequel, if I remember correctly, and two straight-to-DVD sequels, plus a TV show, which were complete horseshit. It seems they're going to go back to the well, and they're going to reboot The Crow with Bradley Cooper playing the role of Eric Draven. The film is going to be written by Alex Se, who did Watchmen, and it's going to be a quote-unquote gritty reboot of the gothic iconic character Eric Draven. Obviously, he returns from the grave on a mission to avenge his wife's murder so that his soul can finally rest. Relativity shared the following statement. The original film is known for its breakthrough visual style as well as its unique production design and cinematography. 
Fernandillo and and Alex say are perfectly suited for bringing the beloved characters back to life and create a world worthy of this modern classic. First of all, Bradley Cooper is too pretty to play the crow. Too pretty. And if he grows his hair long, he's just going to look really fucking weird. Bradley Cooper should just stick to being Bradley Cooper. If Bradley Cooper can play anybody, it could probably be like The Flash or some shit like that. Something that capitalizes on his comedic strengths. While I'm sure he's going to go and try and make the Eric Draven character his own, that looming shadow of the legendary Brandon Lee will always be there. I think Brandon Lee's portrayal of the character was great. I think Brandon Lee as a character, as an actor, was phenomenal. I think he had that same level of charisma that his father had, plus that martial arts background. Had you know, had he not been taken from from us so young, I'm sure he would be putting out some. He would probably be putting out a lot of great films because he had a good eye for making his characters seem real. One of the things that I enjoyed about The Crow was the fact that the character was so dark and pushed the limits of just Brandon Lee as an actor. I mean, Brandon Lee, I saw him in Rapid Fire, Showdown in Little Tokyo, which actually are favorite films of mine. Shut up. Don't give me shit. I know they're not, they're not uh, masterpieces of filmmaking, but I just was a fan of, uh, I'm a fan of action movies. You know, mindless action flicks are always fun. And I think that, him, his portrayal of the crow was something so different and so unique that I don't. It's not gonna. It can't be duplicated. So I sincerely hope that if Bradley Cooper does this shit, he does it differently and doesn't try to imitate um, Brandon Lee's portrayal of Eric Draven. I, it goes back to what I said with, um, you know, with uh, Lex Luthor and Kevin Spacey. Don't try to imitate Gene Hackman. Make Lex Luthor's character your own. Uh, the same can be said for Bradley Cooper with The Crow. So I will definitely keep you in the loop on what happens with that. In some Marvel news, G4 announced that the anime of Iron Man and also the Wolverine anime will debut at 11 p.m. on July 29th on G4 TV. So for those of you that have been watching the animated, well, the anime versions of Iron Man and Wolverine via torrents or whatever other avenues, you can actually start watching them on July 29th on G4. So be on the lookout for that. All right. That actually wraps up the movies for this week, and it actually wraps up the show for this week as well. Um, I'm going to try and put up a couple of things on the site and on the fan page and also in the forums. Plus, I got a, some editing I have to do for the app as well. So... I'm actually kind of relieved that it was a shorter show this week. But nonetheless, let's wrap things up. You've just heard My Take Radio episode 97 for Thursday, June 23rd, 2011. If you'd like to be a guest on the show or have any questions or concerns, you can email me at mtrhost at mytakeradio.com. If you're on Twitter, you can follow me on Twitter uh, the show account is at My Take Radio. You can also follow my personal account. It's MTR underscore Rich. If you're on Facebook, you can hit us up on Facebook.com slash My Take Radio. Post a lot of shit on there on a consistent basis. And, of course, if you're in the wastelands of MySpace, which I'm hearing is possibly going to be closed down within six months, you can look for us there. It's MySpace.com slash My Take Radio. If you are listening to My Take Radio via your 
Android or Apple devices, you can get our app in the Android Marketplace and also in the iTunes Store. Just punch in My Take Radio, you'll get access to exclusive content and a host of other things that we are adding to the app. It's only $1.99. It's cheaper than a latte at Starbucks. Do yourselves a favor, check it out. We're doing a lot of great things with MTR Behind the Mic and MTR Beyond the Mic. Those are app exclusives that you can get on the app, obviously. You can also get the Minority Film Report on there. We're going to start adding more wallpapers and things like that for your mobile devices on the app. Like I said, it's the best way to take MTR with you all the time, and it helps spread the word. So if you decide to get the app, $1.99, look for it in Android, on Android and in the iTunes Store as well. Last but not least, make sure to stop by our forums. It's mytakeradio.com slash forums. Feel free to interact with other listeners regarding a multitude of topics from games to movies to mixed martial arts, professional wrestling, uh, TV, uh, comics, collectibles, tech. We even got some lifestyle stuff in there like uh, game, um, clothes, music. We also have a, uh, a new thread we started called the Female Form. Uh, self-explanatory for, for all the fellas out there. Stop by, check it out, mytakeradio.com slash forums. Also, if you are getting the show from iTunes and any of those other networks, please take a second and rate us, help us move up the rankings, and feel free to write a review for the show as well. It would mean a lot, and like I said, it would help us move up the rankings. Keep an eye out on mytakeradio.com, our Facebook fan page, and also our Tumblr, which I always forget to tell you about. I do have a Tumblr. It's mtrextras.tumblr.com, and you can get some of the extras there as well, which get posted to our Facebook fan page. All right, that's going to wrap it up, folks. Uh, thanks, as always, to Slick for helping us out, and also shout-out to tonight's guest, Prodigy. Make sure to check him out, games underscore prodigy underscore x. Robert Pass on Twitter, on Facebook, sorry. And also we'll put links for that in our MTR Rewind post, which you'll be able to catch this weekend. Lots of, lots of MMA going on this weekend. So if you're an MMA fan, you know where to go. Last but not least, I may be a little AWOL probably Saturday because it's my birthday. Shush, don't tell anyone. Um, but there will be content posted between Friday and Sunday so be on the lookout for that on the site and everywhere else. All right, you guys. Thank you all for listening. Thank you all for your continued support. And I'll catch you guys next week. My guest next week will be Derek Samuels from Envision Inc. We'll be talking about the Envision Android console called the Evo 2. So I'm looking forward to that. And we'll be doing that next week. All right, guys. Take care of yourselves. I'm out. Peace. Our outro this week is going to be The Streets of Rage 2, Go Back to the Streets by Gecko Yamori. You can get that at ocremix.org.